You're still in my office. Gosh, Michael, I am kind of the president. And I have no problem with that, but it is just a title, remember? You know, just doing this to appease the stockholders while they scrutinize me for Dad's crimes. Hey, look, Dad may have illegally built some homes in Iraq, which is kind of not cool. Know, but, you know, that's why I've got a business model that I think is going to restore the image of our company. We're going to build a second model home. That's great. Can I announce it to the board? Gee, it is my business model. I mean, if you had a business model, then by all means, you go in there and do your little Tell you what dance. we're going to do. Rock, paper, scissors for it. No, no, I'm not. One, two, two, three. Paper covers rock. Uh, it is a rock, though. She beat everything. There's not a lot of logic to it. It's kind of like on a boat with women and children first. I mean, why should they? Before I forget, I'm buying a company boat. Sorry? That morning, Job had gone to a boat show where he saw something he wanted. Hello. Hi. What a beauty. Thank you. I met you. Oh. Job flirted with her for a while and finally asked for a number. Digits. Sorry, I don't give it out without a firm offer. Oh, I'll make you a firm offer. Unfortunately, she wasn't flirting. Here again, please. The C word. You're not getting a boat. One, nope, two, do three. It. Paper covers rock. Fine, but rock sinks boat. Michael. Mom, I'm, I'm, I'm right in the middle of something. Get rid of the C word. I'll leave when I'm good and ready. Thank for that one-line payoff. Oh. Well done, Arrested Development. Well done, and Godspeed to you. All right. It's almost better if the show never comes back. Does it come back? If it come back? If... Look at Banner, Michael. <laughs> okay. You make Banner, I can't, Michael. I can't start up another day not able to speak. Jesus. As I was saying merely moments ago, the thing is, if Arrested Development comes back, it's going to be like that Indiana Jones trailer. I was talking to Corden Fatboy about it yesterday, and it's... Is it going to come back? Well, you know, they, they, I, I think there was the article again about the movie. I just saw Yeah, well, just I heard about the movie, week. not the series, though, right? No, not, well, probably, well, but see, if the movie did really well, it's like the Futurama thing, where, or Family Guy, where Family Guy's on, then it gets canceled, then it does so well in reruns and on DVD that they bring it back, Futurama on, canceled, now being put out direct to DVD in the form of a few different movies, and I, like, I already bought Bender's Big Score when it came out, and if that does well enough, I think Billy West has already said that they're talking about bringing it back, but it's... As much as you want it to come back, it's like you you just don't want to sell the memory of the perfect show that once was. I mean, that's the thing about Arrested Development, right? Arrested Development is the... It's perfect. It's not the James Dean. It's the John Belushi of television. I mean, you know, brilliant, funny, hilarious, gone before it could suck. So, that's all I'm saying. This is all by way of saying that... And that's why I'm not that upset that the Star uh, Trek film is being delayed. Like, I'm not... It's not like I'm even all that personally invested in Star Trek. I'm a sort of a casual Star Trek fan. But I really do feel like it's... It's just a little too... Because when when is the last time there was a good Star Trek film? I mean, was it the one with the whales? I think the fourth one. Haven't there been like 15 other Star Trek films since then? Are I we guess so. I haven't kept track of them. No one has. We're on Star Trek like 11D at this point. And so I think they got to... Well, I'm already all over the map. But I'm saying Arrested Development needs to stay gone at least for a little while before they do the movie. Just like I would be fine with Star Trek staying gone for like another five years. But they before have they been gone some... for a while. I guess. When was it canceled? A year and a half ago? Two, maybe? Two years, I think. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. But it's like that Indiana Jones trailer that came out yesterday, which is which is 
you know, good but not great. Like I, I was talking to Gordon Fatboy about that. We were just we were kind of watching the trailer. You know that Indiana Jones trailer for uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which came out. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's sort of like a joke that makes you smile instead of laugh. Like I saw it and I kind of went, well, that looks pretty cool, but I just I, I don't know. I fear the worst. I mean, I have much more faith in Steven Spielberg than I do in George Lucas, but I just don't want to see him come up with something just, you know, where's your childhood memories? And there's your Indiana Jones. So, that's all I'm saying. Anywho, it's five minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11. In this, the uh, month of February in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along, making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 uh, Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. You want to weigh in with your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, uh, your what have you. It's 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane. And I told you guys this, but just before we came in, I wish I'd been taping. We ought to start doing like a Richard Nixon thing and just having microphones secreted in every room in this building. Because the conversations that happen in the hallway, in the kitchen, in the office, in the broom closet, upstairs, downstairs, out by the where the janitor keeps his brushes. I walked into the kitchen right before the show, and so there's Big Jim for the Marconi show. And you know Jim as the guy who does that. I used to have problems with my wife. He's that guy. And then there's Richie, who is Bruce Credit Steve. And Bruce <laughs> Credit Steve is, holy moly, Mr. Richards, I didn't run away down. That guy. So I walked into the kitchen, and for reasons that were never really fully explained to me, they were having a conversation in character. It was like one of those it was one of those Marvel crossover series, where you where like Batman and the Hulk would somehow end up like in the same panel or something, or like that time with the that time when Richard Belzer as Detective John Munch ended up on the X Files. So I walked into the kitchen, and Jim is talking to Richie, but Jim is talking like the Jiggles' wife guy, and Richie is talking like Bruce Credit Steve. And it was all really cool and weird and confusing. It was like all my worlds were sort of folding in on one another. Anyway, it's 503-733-2970. Richard Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, uh, the tedious, the mundane, your thoughts on whether it is, in fact, too soon for a new Star Trek film. And you can tell, by the way... Here's the thing, and I have... J.J. Abrams, is, it's not that he's... It's not that J.J. Abrams is either good nor bad. It's that J.J. Abrams is really good at ideas and beginnings, and then his follow-through is sometimes sort of lackluster. So, I mean, I have faith that he can churn out at least one good Star Trek film, but you can tell that even they know that Star Trek has just become so corny and cheesy and just so saddled uh, with just kind of ridiculous baggage over the years. That's why they're not putting William Shatner in it, obviously. And I do think it's kind of a mistake even to be putting Leonard Nimoy in it. But I think they realize that if you want people to take a Star Trek film seriously, the first time you see William Shatner on the screen, it's all over. Mm. The f if you're trying to make a Star Trek film that is taken, you know, that actually carries its own artistic weight, I mean, just the first time you see William Shatner in a trust just rolling his... Rolling his way on the camera and singing Master Mr. Tambourine Man. That's all. It's all going to go to hell. Anyway, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. You can also email if you like. It's Rick at RickEmerson dot com. Uh, Sarah at nine seventy dot am. Tim at nine seventy dot am. Or Richie with a T at nine seventy dot am. Here's what's coming up in today's program uh, for this Friday. Lisa Desjardins will be joining us today. Uh, so I guess Hillary got what a delegate. 
Is that one from New Hampshire or New Mexico? New Mexico. Some new place? A, a half one. So they... That's sad. Eking out her victories where she can. I want a delegate. And I think that's a Super Tuesday state. Like, I think that's a state where they voted on Super Tuesday and they just came up with the, with the total yesterday. Anyway, so, uh, so, blah, 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 Hillary Clinton, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what else? Uh, James Rupp will join us today. We'll talk, um, not about the writer's strike as such, because that's over. Uh, but, the, but, so the Oscars are going to be going on, but I guess they did have some sort of a plan B in place. Uh, they had some weird scaled down skeletal version of the award show uh, that I guess he sort of got his hands on the outline of it. So we'll, uh, talk about that. We'll see what, uh, they would have done. Uh, Scott Daly will be here to review the new George Rem Boy, speaking of guys that ought to just put a fork in it. Please, brother, just put down your camera and go live somewhere else. Uh, so George Romero's got that new, The Diary of the Dead, new zombie movie coming out today, which just looks awful. Just looks just unrelentingly terrible is what that movie looks like. But maybe I'm wrong. I suspect that I'm not, but maybe I am. Uh, glorious Bastard of the Week. Uh, we'll get some watches from the pile. Uh, we'll have, let's see, the best and worst news story ever, and I've got sound on it. And uh, I think that's it. Oh, and did you all get this interview opportunity here, this guest? The Gay Uncle's Guide to Good Parenting. Did everybody get this? Yes. I did, yes. I'm not even really sure what that means. Did anybody bother to read the actual, the email? I never or read them. Or did you just sort of skim it? Apparently, let's see, uh, the, the guest that they're offering is, is, is Brett Burke. Um, so, let's see here. Brett Burke, the gay, author of The Gay Uncle's Guide to Parenting. The book is the... Oh, God. Here we go. The book is the sassy, funny, even in-your-face guide to navigating the trenches of modern parenthood. With over 20 years of experience working with children, Brett uh, breaks moms and dads out of their unnecessary patterns, blah, 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 and gives... gives this is... Now, this... This is why you read these. Because every now and again, you sort through all the mounds of chaff and you find a sentence like this. And gives the secrets to parenting that only a gay man could have, says this guy who wrote The Gay Uncle's Guide to Parenting. It's almost tempted to get him on. The Gay Uncle's Guide to Good Parenting will answer questions like, Why do we buy diaper genies as if we've never heard of trash cans with lids? Really, is this what your life becomes when you have children? We cannot have this. Are these the sort of questions that start... I mean, look, I'm spending here you know, 12, 13, 14 minutes talking about Star Trek. Is this what, like, if you have children, do you quit caring about Star Trek and you start worrying about the, I don't even know what the diaper genie is. Is the diaper genie a product or a service? Maybe it's like a rumba that changes diapers. <laughs> a butt butt. <laughs> you know that that's, you know, that's in development somewhere sure. right now. Some sure. sort of a, some sort of a Rosie the Robot thing that comes out and just hoses out your kid's buttocks. You know, you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, just puts the diaper on. All right, so to derail your conversation, how did Lara like her Valentine's Day present? Did you give it to her? Um, yeah, okay, just one second. I'm looking to see if there are more gems in this. And, no, we're done. Because um, you said Roomba, and that reminded me of it. Oh, man, the Roomba. So it's charging right now. I didn't want to... I didn't want to take it out of the box and undo all the whatever so it would be charged. I mean, I figured it was sort of a trade-off. Um, so, and it wasn't a tremendous secret to her because it's what she'd asked for. She's like, hey, can you give me a Roomba for Valentine's Day? Done and done. And, you know, the great thing about it is the model that I wanted to get actually comes in red. So it sort of had a kind of a cool Valentine's thing going on anyway. So it was, I, I weighed whether or not to open up the Roomba 
and plug it in so it would be charged and, like, ready to go. I ended up not doing that because I'm a big fan of, you know, you see things kind of sealed in the box and they're still perfect and pristine and whatever. And plus, she's actually, she's busy, like, she's doing some uh, picture framing and stuff at home. And so she's got stuff, like, spread out all over the living room anyway. So she would not have been able to use it. But it did go over really well. Yeah, the Roomba was a big hit. So here's the thing. So the Roomba is going to be used uh, over the weekend uh, to clean the house. And then I'm going to bring it here on Sunday while I'm doing some uh, work upstairs. And I'm just going to let the Roomba go around the studio for like a like a 90-minute block of time. Awesome. Going to let it go around and clean every single speck of, of dirt and detritus out of this carpet that I can possibly find. You know, eventually they'll get like a Walba or something. And it'll, it'll, it'll climb over walls. It'll go up drapes and curtains. I mean, that really, the Roomba really is great. That's one of those things that future civilizations are going to look back, and they're going to pinpoint the Roomba as the moment that our civilization got on the right path, finally. It's just fully automated home cleaning. I mean, because that's really, let's be honest, I mean, for persons like Sarah and myself, that really is what is required to keep my home clean. I just need, like, a team of small automated things that crawl all over it constantly and just keep it spick and span. It's really the only, the only approach that's going to work. I wish they had things like that for the counter, like countertops. Well, they probably, well, you know, they've got one for rain gutters. Uh, if you go to the Roomba site, they've got one that does carpet. They've got one that does linoleum and hardwood floors. They've got one that does both. They've got one that does rain gutters. They've got one that keeps your pets company. Uh, and then and then I, and here's the other thing about the Roomba. You go there to the website, and I'm unsure if these are available to the average citizen or if they're just sort of there to demonstrate, like, the breadth of their experience in making robots. But they do on the website show some of their military and security robots. Like they've got one that will, quote, parole, uh, patrol the perimeter of your home. And I don't know if it's like one of those things in the Aliens Director's Cut where it sits out there in the hallway and as soon as the aliens start to approach, it starts firing 10,000 rounds a second or something. Anyway. Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification today. Hello, Tim Riley. Hello there. How's your Friday? Fantastic. Is it really? Yeah. That's a nice orange shirt you have on today. Is that orange? Is it orange or red? red? It's like maroon. It's, it's a nice shirt. Orange. I like it. Thank you. Like it. It's very nice. Uh, three people are hurt when a I'm car... I'm trying to creep you out. Simply making the observation. Oh, thank you. Coming Every now on. and again. No, you have two shirts that I really like. There's that one, and then there's that one that's sort of a uh, like a lighter blue... It looks kind of like a. I wore that earlier this week. It's like it looks kind of like a Liz Claiborne shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know who makes it, but it's it's sort of a lighter blue shirt, kind of a linen look. That's the other shirt you have that I quite like. Right, I'm sorry, you. I quit being creepy. We'll move on. Uh, three people are hurt when a car slams into an Oregon City quilt shop. That gunman responsible for that Illinois college slaughter was a former outstanding student who was off his meds. Bullets fly through the window of the Mall 205 Burger King early this morning. Luckily, nobody is hurt. A chemist skateboarder is run over by a friend's car while engaging in an activity the kids call skit skitching. Skitching, that's what they call it. Longview's Little Rascals Daycare Academy is closed following allegations of some unorthodox behavior by the staff. Well, okay then. Joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon. Hello, how are you today? Hello, good. I was just looking at my bank account, and I'm uh, sorry, I was a little That's concerned. That's always a good way to start the day. Don't do I that know. until 301. No, 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 it's fine. Well, I know I have no money. <laughs> nope, I'm the looking. the end of the day. Because I bought my ticket to Las Vegas yesterday, and uh-huh. they still haven't taken the money out of my account. Should I be worried about that? No. no. That takes a couple of days. Do you do okay. it, like, through Expedia or somebody like yeah, that? Yeah, I or? did it through, like, cheap tickets. Yeah, no, that takes, yeah, that okay. takes a while. Thank God, because I'm like, oh, did I not? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. No, today's payday. All's happy and Sarah. Now, don't open that check now, either. 
I'm not going to open it. the end of the day. <laughs> I know Why start the show with bad news? <laughs> uh, oh, I know how much I make. I'm just saying. Now, uh, it's, when you were asking me the other day if that was a good pre- now is it if I can ask this, is it just you going to Vegas? No, no, I'm going with um, my friends Lisa and Jay. Excellent. And then my other friend Jessica and uh, Jay's parents. Have I met Jessica? And if not, why not? <laughs> You'd like Jessica. She's she's a saucy little girl. Well, I think it's time for an in-studio visit. <laughs> Has she ever seen the inside of a real live radio station? Oh, boy. Uh, Jay's, uh, Jay's mom lives in Vegas, so we're going to all be able to stay at her house for free. So basically, And there's a built-in babysitter, too, because Jay and Lisa just had a kid. So we're all going to need to go out on the town. Excellent. For days. So when are you so going? Fun. Um, I'm leaving April 15th, or April 11th. Okay. And you're coming back, and then I'm leaving. And we'll be back. On the well, and I'm actually going before that. So I'm going to Vegas uh, March. I'm not I'm not going to miss uh, any work, but I'll be leaving. I think it's March 21st, maybe. It's like a Friday. So I'm going to go Friday afternoon, and I'll be back Sunday. Oh, Jesus. So I get back at Sunday Sunday night, Monday morning, like 2 a.m. Oh. <laughs> it's gonna, well, because it would have been like $80 extra a ticket to get back at like 8 p.m. And just no way. I mean, I, I just, you know, it, for as much as Vegas, you go there, maybe you lose some money gambling or you spend it on whatever. It, there are certain things that, like my my brain, I think it's just my personality. That there are certain things I don't mind spending money on, but there's certain things I just can't bring myself to do it. Like I had a friend of mine once who, his whole thing was he had no problem blowing money in big lump sums on certain things, but he hated ongoing bills. So, like, he wouldn't buy his daughter, this is back when he had landlines, he wouldn't buy his daughter like her own phone line because it was like an extra nine dollars a month or whatever and he's like you know what he's like i'll spend ten grand going to europe uh, you know with my kids for vacation because i'm not paying nine dollars a month forever <laughs> f that i am not paying an additional nine dollars every month for a phone and that's i think my thing with vegas like i'll go to vegas and however much i spend or lose or whatever is however much i spend or lose but if I have to pay $80 extra uh, to come back early, screw that. I'll come mm-hmm. back and I'll be tired the next day. I just don't care. Which shouldn't make any difference, but it sort of does. That's like that's exactly like me. I'm flying out super early Monday morning uh, and I'll be doing the show. Yeah, okay. I'll wait so you... at, at 7.05. You just have to be there before 5, doesn't it? Wait, so you're leaving here at 7.05 at night? No, in the morning. Oh, when you... Next Thursday. Oh. Thursday the 13th. Thursday the 13th. Okay. See, I'd rather stay one extra night and be super tired than, like, you know, leave in the middle of the night and not have that last night in Vegas. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is like, well, you can save even more money if you come down Friday afternoon and then you leave Sunday morning at 6 a.m. Yeah. No, I thank you. No. Now, where are you staying at? At Jane Lee's, uh, at Jay's mom's house. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Yeah, so you, okay. it, I, she lives there near in, in Vegas probably. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, she lives there, and um, his sister, the cutest thing ever, her name's Baby. She works at uh, the Pink Taco. Of course she does. She's a baby who works at the Pink Taco. <laughs> yeah, and so last time I went to Vegas, uh, yeah, she got us all these like fancy VIP seats at the Pink Taco. So I think we might be dining at the Pink Taco again. I'm very excited. Uh-huh. Okay. I'll I'm be... just, uh, and there's a huge... Well, the reason I'm going to is it's Viva Las Vegas. There's a huge uh, car show. There, it's just going to be hundreds of like old... You like, tell Dennis about that. He might have a hookup down there. Dennis that Pitsenbarger. is fantastic. How often? How, how often would I say that? You should seek out Dennis Pitsenbarger and talk to him about something. No, he might be able to hook you up with something. Other. I myself will be staying at the El Cortez. My seats, are, my you know, my room has already been reserved. Here's the great thing about the El Cortez. So we're looking at, I think it was Expedia or whatever we did, and they give you the three, the three different levels of room to choose from. It's like, would you like the deluxe package or would you like the, you know, the the decent package or the skis package, which is you know where it's like twelve dollars a night or something. The great thing about it is like the low level package. First of all, smoking only, and then they try to peddle this fiction. 
And for those who haven't seen the El Cortez, or you know, certainly if you haven't been there, I would strongly recommend that you go online and, and look it up and just sort of gaze at it. It really is. I mean, I'll tell you right now, this will be the only time probably we ever stay there because, I mean, it is, you know, it really is sort of like requesting a, a hotel in Hell's Kitchen or something. So, but I mean, we, but we, we've always sort of looked at it from the outside and wondered what it was like. It's, you know what it is? The El Cortez, I suspect, is the Mary's Club of Vegas casinos. Or maybe you don't want to go back all the time, but it you has really a certain... You want to be staying at Mary's Club in Vegas? I'm just... At least once, though. I'm saying... And plus, how much time do you really spend in your room in Vegas anyway? That is a, that is a valid point. I mean, it's... You know, of all, of all the towns in which to have a bad hotel room, Vegas is... You know, that's the place. Because you're really only there to crash, and then you're back up and drinking White Russians again. But... It's just this crumbling, bad, terrible building with, like, the pink paint coming off the front and everything. But the low-level room, is they, they try to pass it off as, quote, having been restored to its 1960s appearance. And clearly there is no restoration. Clearly it just has never been upgraded from its 1960s appearance. And it's just bad, man. It's, it's like you're in some sort of weird ghetto I Dream of Genie set. It's just terrible. So, um... So that's the one we chose. So we'll be staying in that room at the El Cortez. I'll be blogging about it relentlessly while I'm there. Uh, so that's coming up uh, in late March, and then Sarah's going to be gone, and then Tim is going to be gone. Yeah. So it's all very exciting. All right, 503-733-2970. couple notes to get through from last night, but first let's talk to whoever this might be. Hello, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Good. First call of the day, don't suck. Good morning, good morning. This all of the first. pressure is on you. You are now setting the tone. Don and Mike have talked about this relentlessly. You are setting the tone for the entire program here. Okay. What's your name? On me now. I'm Jennifer. Jennifer, it's all yes. on your narrow shoulders. Oh. Okay, I have three things. I have three things. First of all, I can tell you a diaper genie is just a fancy diaper holder for dirty diapers, okay? What do you Second mean, like, all, like a bag? Like a garbage no, can? No, it's like a garbage can, but like you put the diaper in and then push it down and then you twist it, twist the plastic, and then basically that closes the smell of the diaper out uh, of the room. Let me ask they you this. Hey, are, you, are, well. are you a parent? Yes. First of all, can I just say this? I'm not. I'm unsure about whether diaper has two syllables. I think it's two, but if you're from Maine, sometimes they say diaper. Diaper. <laughs> Stephen King says diaper. What about vehicles? Are you going to about how many syllables the word diaper has? Well, as I got ready to say diaper bag, uh, I was going to say, is there any? are there any three worse syllables in the English language than diaper bag? But yeah, Stephen King says diaper bag, which is why that always kind of a, a, a pops into my head that way. Just the whole, you know, I can to this day remember what my mom's diaper bag for my younger brother looked like. And just the whole notion of that, and I'm not even talking about the smell, just the whole notion of a diaper Bag. Smelly white can next to the toilet. That Just, oh, God, it. that's the other thing, too. Now, did you have uh, cloth diapers or, or you know, like, disposables? Uh, we disposables. I wasn't going to do the cloth thing. See, no. let me ask you this. Now, I don't mean to be... Why don't? Why even have those in the house? Why, right up to the curb with those. Well, that's what... Yeah, that's what I do. I had a diaper genie, and then they don't work. No, so the great outdoors is your diaper the, genie. Exactly. Okay. Put it in the garbage outside. Yeah. Okay. What is your second thing? Um, Second thing is, is can Sarah do like a lost segment on Fridays? Because that would be awesome. If you watched it, I'd ask you. Sarah Dillon's Look at Lost. Oh yeah. boy, Lost be Look. Awesome. I'd love it if some yeah, if somebody else would want to do it with me, and so we could geek out together instead of me just rambling at Rick Oysters at me blankly. 
just a suggestion. I just think you could cool do this. How about, how about Chris from KUFO? That's not oh, a bad idea, had, Chris Paddock. Are yeah, you, we, yeah, we already had our um, dorking out about it earlier today. You know, on the net, they, yeah, they have these. Yeah, about it. That'd be awesome. Like on Television Without Pity, and they have these uh, they, these recaps, uh, which were more useful a few years ago before they started rerunning everything relentlessly and before you could get stuff online. Uh, but they would do recaps, so if you missed uh, an episode, you could catch up. And these were like eight page recaps. I remember missing an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer once and be like, oh, i got to figure out what happened. So I go to Television Without Pity to read one, and literally it was like a nine-page recap of every single thing. And it was like, you felt as if you'd watched the entire episode. So this wouldn't be that, but you might consider like maybe like a, uh, I don't know, like maybe a 60 to 90-second recap of the previous night's Lost episode. I think that could become destination listening, Sarah. That could become a thing people made a conscious point of tuning in for. Okay, yeah, but even something, you know, and I know she said she's reading Lost and Philosophy, I think you said, Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so even something along those lines, because, I mean, I, most people will have watched it, and then just kind of get somebody's take, somebody talk about it, uh, you know, I just, I, I, I die, I'm like, oh, I want to hear somebody else talk about it and have more conversations about it or something. I so. totally, totally agree. Yeah, after I watched it last okay. night, I literally, like, was talking to a bunch of my friends last night for, like, two hours. Did you watch last night? Wasn't it amazing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll yeah. tell you what. Here's yeah. the thing we can do. When Peter Carlin comes in, we can lean on him to maybe be part of that. You yeah. and Peter could do, exactly. like, a 90-second, two-minute, two-and-a-half-minute lost recap each day. Or each, you know, each day that you know, after it's on. Oh. So, all right, what was your final item, Jennifer? And, okay. Having trouble with something. Please yes. to be explaining super delegate. I've heard delegates, whatever, but I, I'm sorry if I'm ignorant on this one. What the heck is a super delegate? All right, uh, here's the thing. A super delegate is uh, a an elected official, like a mayor or a governor, or someone who is very high up in the Democratic Party. Somebody who's maybe worked for the party as a strategist or a manager or a fundraiser for a long time, and you're rewarded by being made a super delegate. It's I won't say it's an honorary position, but it's it's basically a uh, it's sort of a uh, it's like being a chairman of the board or on the board of directors. Think of it as like that, but they give it to people okay. who have earned favor with the party. Here's why okay. you here's why they matter this year though. Super delegates have a disproportionate vote. In other words. Uh, you know, in California, if a congressional district votes for Obama, well, the delegates, it's like an electoral college, the delegates there have to cast their vote for Obama. So, you know, what that basically means is in a large sense, that popular vote will determine who the delegates cast their votes for when they choose, when they choose the nominee at the convention. But superdelegates, there's some superdelegates, and they have a disproportionate amount of votes. Every superdelegate's vote is worth 13,000 popular voters. Now, the reason the superdelegates exist, the Democratic Party themselves created the superdelegate system in 1984 to prevent an unelectable candidate from being nominated. In other words, let's say one year all the voters went crazy in the primaries and decided that uh, Ralph Nader was going to be their candidate. The superdelegates are there as like a circuit breaker so they can step in and say, no, 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 we, we're not going to let you nominate. Uh, Ralph Nader because he's a nutcase. We are going to pick someone who is electable. So they're they're like the overflow uh, hole at the top of your bathtub. Super delegates are there to step in and make sure the party doesn't pick somebody who can't be elected. Oh my God, you rock! That all right, so well, helpful. All right, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right, from Anderson Cooper's mouth to my ear to your radio. Rain and snow in San Diego County? Really? That is so strange. As many as 500 motorists are stranded. Oh, you don't want to have it rain in San Diego. That'll screw those people. It's snow. 
Rain and snow <laughs> in San Diego. Yeah, a 27-mile stretch of I-8, which runs through the mountains from the eastern county, from California to Arizona, has uh, been reopened. CHP's escorting trucks through. Yeah, it's been closed for a while. Can I tell you, the first time I ever went to San Diego was in the middle of El Nino. You have never seen a group of people who just were soaking. It was like Ublek was falling out of the sky. They had no idea. They would just, you see these people just sort of like looking out the front door of a building up of the sky, just so unbelievably confused and flummoxed by the whole situation. Uh, before we break here, so I didn't even talk about the best thing that happened last night. Oh. Um, so, yeah, so I gave my wife the, uh, gave my, gave my wife the old Roomba last night. And then, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, how, how great is my wife that she listens to, uh, to this show and knows, she picks up on certain things that I mention that I want or something that I've had my eye on. So, the, the bad news is, um, the one that she got, the wiring, there was a glitch in the wiring, so she has to take it and exchange it for, for a different one today. But you know what she got me? It's a thing that's going to become our, our best and worst, uh, our best friend and worst enemy. She got me one of those scales that you stand on that tells you your body percentage rate, your oh, body fat God. percentage ratio. How does it know that? Uh, because it puts an electrical current up through the soles of your feet, and it measures the resistance. You didn't bring it to work with you, did Same you? way they do it at the doctor's office. They don't use the caliper anymore in most doctor's offices. They put, like, you can't even feel it. It's like a low-level electrical current that goes into your body, and it measures the resistance that the fat gives it. And then it tells you what your body fat percentage is. So, no, the uh, the wiring on it was a little glitchy, so she had to take it back and get it anyway. There was a short in it. So, but there you go. So, come uh-huh. I was hoping to bring it in today so I could analyze my body fat right here on the air and determine exactly how lard-like I am inside. It's going to have to wait till Monday. So, on Monday, uh, you'll know exactly how close to death I might be. All right. Uh, well, we should probably break here in just a second. Don't, I'm going to mention this like a hundred times uh, as today's show goes on. Tomorrow night at Satyricon... Uh, there's a whole huge, like, you know, there's one of those big package shows, there's like 500 bands. The headliner, though, is Wednesday 13th, so you really ought to be going. So, tomorrow night, Satyricon, Wednesday 13th is going to be Are in town. Are you so excited? Oh, man, I am, for years. oh, man, I'm all over that. And I didn't even heard about it, I didn't even know. Guy sent me a text message, like, Wednesday 13th, Satyricon, be there. So, yeah, tomorrow night, Wednesday 13th, Don't it's a year ago. love February? That's when all the shows start picking back up again yeah. and all the bands start coming through town. Yeah. And I have so many shows I'm so stoked for. Yeah, so I am I am all... I just immediately got online. I must buy tickets. So, uh, anyway, so uh, if you're a fan of uh, The Rock and the whatever and the so forth, uh, Wednesday13.com. That's a 13 with a 1 and a 3. You can find out more and then go see Wednesday 13 tomorrow night. It's a year Who are they playing with? Um, let's see. The, the AKAs... Um, and two other bands that I didn't know. So it's a, it's a, I think it's a four-band night. It's like the American Massacre Tour, I think is what they're calling it. Um, but it's three bands and Wednesday 13, and then he's doing another tour just as Wednesday 13 after that. So he might be coming back later on in spring because he's got a, 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 a full-length and an EP coming out in April. So yeah, one, the Vincent Black Shadows, the AKAs, and Creature Feature. Yeah. So once April comes, he'll probably come back this way because that's, uh, that's when his record comes out. It's all very exciting. All right. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Stay there. Don't go in. Hey, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. On some other notes to get to from last night, but we'll have to wait. Get them here in a uh, short while. It's 503 733 2970. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show. Brian. 
CNN Radio correspondent, Lisa Desjardins. Hello, Lisa. How are you today? Hi. How's life? How are things? Oh, life is just dandy. Is it really, truly it's dandy? It's a peach of a life. Okay. <laughs> are we a little bit high today? No, you know, <laughs> truly, it's Friday, and, and I'm, I'm quite happy about that. You've got a case of the Fridays. I do have a case. Somebody's got a case of the Fridays, yep. That's, I'm trying to work that phrase into circulation. The case of the Mondays thing is, you know, that's already taken, and it's very 1998. I'm trying yeah. to get case of the Fridays, though. I'm trying to invert that, I'm trying to take that paradigm and stand it on its head. Get that script, kick as it, it were, kick, if you want to go back to 1992. Yes, I'm trying to. Did you just say flip that script? Yeah, well, it's really, I mean, I said it in the whitest way possible, yeah. <laughs> That's, That's not really how anyone who used that phrase would actually say it. Look, but yeah. Let me tell you, as somebody who, despite the best of my efforts, I do everything in the widest way possible. So, you know, what <laughs> What can you do? There's really... Let's, speaking of the widest way possible, hey, let's talk about nice. Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney, former Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney, um, who on Thursday, in really what just must make everybody's hearts burn with warmth, endorsed Senator John McCain. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I mean... I don't even know. I guess it matters, but I mean, does it matter? I mean, and they're bringing in, uh, you know, George H. W. Bush next week. It looks like McCain's going to get uh, the old pat on the back from uh, Bush 41, as they like to say, inside the Beltway. I mean, do you suppose? Here's a well. Let me ask you this. Then that actually leads to a little side question from your political vantage point. Mm. Do you suppose that Bush 41's uh, that his is his tote board way down uh, because of his uh, because of his kid. Do you suppose that W has just diminished the value of anybody with the last name hmm. of Bush endorsing you? You know, I think it's always tough for the one-term presidents, you know, to right. close after their term to really get much glory at all. But uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, probably uh, Bush the second has not made things easy for Bush the first. And it, and it seems, I mean, the way they handled things was very different. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to counter myself. I think there's an argument to be made that maybe the current President Bush makes the past President Bush look a little bit better. I've heard a lot of people who say, oh, the first President Bush handled things, you know, kind of was much more wise in how he handled Iraq and sort of made some decisions that were kind of political sacrifices that were in the, for the good of the country. There's some people who will probably like him more because of his son. All right. Well, fair enough. I don't know. I don't know what the end. I don't know what this all means in the end. But, uh, but, but you're, I hadn't really thought about that either, though, that the endorsement of a one-term president is uh, – there's something about – American politics are really weird. I was making this observation about Michael Dukakis a while back that, mm. they, you know, you think about it, it is something really to be proud of, I suppose. Out of 280 million people, it came down to, you know, to George Bush and Michael Dukakis. I mean, out of 280 million people, right. those were the <laughs> final two guys, and that's, you know, that's a real accomplishment, getting to the top of that. But you know what? Everybody just remembers Michael Dukakis as being a huge loser. Yeah, he's which worse is, off for it. Yeah, right. he, that's the thing is, you are worse, that's exactly it, right? You are, you are worse to go to the Super Bowl and lose than right. to never have gotten there. So much for, and one of my favorite quotes is that Teddy Roosevelt, you know, uh, better to have, uh, I'm going to mess it all up, but you know, better to have tried, you know, than to never have tried at all, essentially. Better to have dared greatly and to have failed right. than not to have dared. So you've got... So, but apparently, uh, modern politics goes against that. So better you, to stay at home you can, than to fail. <laughs> better to sift this one out. <laughs> Otherwise, you end up being, if we can again go back to the early 90s, you end up being the Terrence Trent Darby of politics. Oh, with the, wow. the one strong single, no follow-up. Now you're working at a Woolworths. 
Right, right. But the problem is, you may actually okay to just you know <laughs> slap this metaphor into just a big thin sheet of ice. That uh, you end up actually being more like a Jermaine Stewart in Reputation. <laughs> it's a problem. You may actually have some talent, but uh, they remember you with the uh, you know as a Jermaine Stewart type character. Unfairly slighted. All right. Um, Hey, before we do anything else, I have a question. This is a question that a listener sent for you, and I forgot to ask you the other day, and then I felt like an ass. So I had had to. It it may be a little bit after the barn door is closed, or the the, the stop the door. The clock is stopped twice a day, or whatever the hell that. Well, you guys an analogy right now. I I don't even know what's going on in my head today. Um, Anyway, there's a woman, uh, Jenny, he emailed. She said. Rick, I know that last weekend Hillary made some changes in her campaign staff. They always downplay it, but we always know that something just isn't working for somebody somewhere. CNN just announced that her assistant campaign manager has resigned. This a few days ago. He says, do you think that at some point uh, the public starts grumbling about how she can't run her campaign? How can she run a country? Um, she says, I know that S happens, uh, but it would seem that with Obama on a roll, she uh, might make some changes. But how is this being perceived by the average Joe uh, can you ask Lisa about this? Do these campaign shakeups affect her image with the public? I don't think so. I think apparently, I think with Jenny they might, but I, I don't think. I think most people that's a little too inside baseball. If you know, they sometimes you see politicians make this kind of a shakeup so that they can kind of point a finger of, of blame for a for a colossal mistake and say, oh, that was that person's mistake and they're fired. <laughs> but this was so much more general that I I, I don't. I don't know that it plays either way. I think that there may be, there is some slight talk in Wisconsin right now that this change in campaign staff for Hillary has led her to go more negative. And in fact, we've seen yet another, uh, you want to call it attack ad, you know, whatever, uh, uh, I don't know, conflict ad, a him versus me ad, whatever you want to call it, against Barack Obama that was launched today. So she is definitely uh, taking off the gloves, I guess, <laughs> and just doing the, I don't know, fight club against Barack Obama because with this new campaign staff. And, and not to... I, I think those changes matter more than the actual names on the door with and, the public. And, and, of course, not to be too melodramatic about such things, but is it... Is do you suppose that it is in situations like this where Hillary is, you know, certainly not down for the count by any means, but but certainly maybe is reeling a little bit from uh, from an uppercut? It, do you think that it's moments like this where I'm trying to find a phrase that's not like when she's at her most dangerous? But you know what I mean? Do you? Do you oh she's... sure, a tiger in the corner. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like, boy, is someone keeping count of the random metaphors today? I hope so, because <laughs> it's, it's getting out of control. But yeah, I think that's right, and I think that's why. She and Bill Clinton have always been just such a force in politics. It's it's when they seem like they're most vulnerable that they turn things around on you, and and they end up leaving the presidency uh, with uh, you know an, an intern uh, under the desk and great approval ratings. <laughs> it's almost hard to believe no one's written a book called that. <laughs> no, you know, it's, it, it's true, but I think she she's her campaign is worried right now. But they they're going on the attacks. Best defense is a good offense. I don't know. Best offense is a good offense. I'm not sure. I, it, it, they're going. They're going. They're going on the attack for sure. And I really wonder if that's going to work in Wisconsin. I don't know. It doesn't feel like it would completely uh, rub all those cheese heads the right way. Maybe. Maybe not. I. But but she is setting herself up for 
Now I'm doing it. See, now I'm really hyper conscious of every analogy. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, she's, they're made, there's so much is being made of that. What is it, the April 5th date or whatever? It is, where it's it's going to be her Alamo because it turns out that is, that is actually the anniversary of when the siege on the Alamo happened. Or oh, something. no kidding. Well, March 4th is the Texas vote. Is that really when the uh, Alamo anniversary is? I believe. I had not heard you that. You know what? And maybe that's like a Snopes.com thing. Maybe that's an urban legend. It's not really true. Somebody told me that that was the actual date of when the siege on the Alamo happened. So maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's just too perfect to be true. But it, but it does seem like it is. Here we go again. It does seem like this is her huh. her shootout at the OK Corral. This is, I mean, it's it really is. It, it's close to that date. It was happening, apparently now, looking online, it was underway February 23rd through March 6th. All right. So it was happening. So 1836, rather. I'm Sometimes sorry. the headlines just write huh. themselves. We're a mess today. I'm so sorry, listeners. Right. Drag, I'm dragging you through my spaghetti. You know, it, mine, there's another analogy for you. Dragging yeah. you through you. Don't hang noodles on my ears. Don't hang. I'm glad you remember that. <laughs> As the Russians would say, don't hang noodles. I don't. I don't want you to hang noodles off my ear. I really don't. <laughs> I don't want. Wow, that I at think all. there's a nitrous oxide leak somewhere, like in the whole world today. <laughs> Hold on. Um, Only other thing I have to tell you guys yeah. about: today. President going to Africa. Start, Hooray! Starts his trip uh, tonight, tomorrow. And I think of note for your listeners would be the fact that one of the most famous, if not the most famous, pop star in Liberia is finalizing her song, which essentially is Thank You, President Bush. Are you going to get an advanced copy of that? Incredible pop song. I, have not, I don't think that the song is out there yet, but it, apparently there is incredible love for President Bush in Africa. In fact, greater approval ratings there for uh, apparently Africans think better of America than Americans do. Well, that's not really a high bar to leap at this point. Well, you know, when you think about it, though, it's it's that is what we we do want to see that though because Africa is is such an important continent, especially in the next century, and and it's a place where there's so much struggling, so much warfare that those are the kind of places where uh, very serious dangers to the rest of the world can emerge from. But if America is doing something and the Western world is doing something to kind of help Africa try and get on its feet. And it's very tricky to figure out how to do that. You don't want to say, oh, poor Africa, you're such a victim nation or a victim continent. But, uh, I, you know, having a good image in Africa is is pretty important, especially if China is also uh, there's That's actually true. a competition between U.S. and China to to win over African nations. It's so, true. I was watching, actually, it reminds me, I was watching a documentary last night on, on Fidel and um, – and it was, you know, sort of a sort of a Fidel's whole life in 90 minutes kind of a thing. So you didn't really get the, 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 the much in depth. It was sort of the broad strokes. But it is, it's sort of weird when you think about, um, you know, I, when you, you know, it's so easy to paint things in terms of, of of just where there there is, you know, at that point we were facing off at the USSR and we're facing off with China. And it really is, I mean, risk is more than a board game. I mean, it really is a, re, it really that's that stuff really does happen in real life where you gotta make sure that you know that every single person on the board is in your corner uh, somehow because you know that there's somebody else out there trying to trying to get their uh, trying to get their support as well. Uh, just real quickly, I wanted, yeah. wanted to ask you one thing. Um, so did you, I, I just want to go back to this Romney thing for a second. Okay, now, yeah, is, sure. Now, is, why is this sounds like a dumb question, but why is Romney doing this? Is this, is this because he's trying so hard to keep his credentials as like an ultra super conservative up? Is it just because he dislikes Huckabee, or he needs to remain in favor with the party and like it or not, McCain is the guy? Or mm. I mean, from where is this coming? Yeah, McCain is the guy. McCain is the guy, and and. You know, better to be helping him the earlier the better at this point. And I, I also think that Romney, in a way, 
uh, was trying just a couple of minutes of the John Edwards tactic, trying to get more attention by not endorsing. But but he knew that's not going to – it doesn't work when you have one candidate so far ahead, as opposed to in the Democratic race where John Edwards still is uh, a potential force, probably not for his delegates, but just for his influence with, with voters in general. But Romney doesn't have that advantage. But he, I think he did want to get a little bit more attention by not what? Nom- what? by not endorsing. And he probably wanted to think it over, too. He's probably a little bitter, uh, probably wanted to just make sure, uh, you know, check with people. And and I, I do think that it's clear McCain is a guy. And if you do, if you're serious about Republicans beating Democrats, as Mitt Romney clearly is, you got to help John McCain right now because you don't need – him, you need conservatives to start going his way, and you don't need him to sort of stumble uh, just before he. Uh, I'm trying not to make a metaphor, just <laughs> trying not to stumble just before he wins. As the, uh, as the, he was trying to wait. As that guy, I forget his name. The, as the guy says in the in the movie Singles, he says uh, anybody could call. You distinguish yourself by not calling. That's right. So that's the. Uh, that's the wait, you know, one other question though. I think that. I really think my brain is just not working very well today. Metaphors versus analogies. I think that's another mistake I've been making this whole conversation. Well, a metaphor... Yeah, it's, you know, comparing uh, uh, something to something else. Well, a metaphor is when you say it's something like, is something. Well, you've got three things. There's metaphors, similes, and analogies. Exactly. An analogy is when you use one extant situation as a comparison to another word, uh, to another. For example, you say... Uh, you say, uh, well, you know, that uh, that debate between Hillary and uh, Obama, that was like a rock'em, sock'em robot game. Um, right, which I have in my living room, by the way. Really? Is it the old school one? Yes. Excellent. Um, right. You know, can I just suggest something that would really be great? Yeah. What somebody ought to invent is a rock'em, sock'em robot kit that is then hooked to the Internet so you can play real-life hands-on physical oh, rock'em, sock'em, but with somebody who's like, like you know, like you know, on another continent. How great would that, that be? That's great. Um, and it would be hard, you know, and it'd be uh, it'd be a much more competitive game then because you wouldn't be able to see how your opponent was manipulating manipulating right, the levers. What they were doing. You wouldn't know what they were going to do. When their hand is about to strike, which you can, which is so clear. Then there is a simile, which is when you say that a situation is, is. like no no no. A no. simile is when oh. something is similar or like. Uh, you can uh, something else, and you uh, can remember that by similar simile. Okay, so I was doing all right. That I, I think I was, re- you know, essentially using metaphors. So your brain today. But the metaphors versus, yeah, my brain is just. Uh... So to use a simile, your brain today is like a colander through which some information <laughs> flows and some remains. Um, a met- Very little remains. A yeah. metaphor would be to say your brain is a colander. Your yeah. metaphor is when you're simply saying something is something else. But see, here's my question, though. Is meta- it's really metaphor versus analogy. And I don't mean to be dragging us into this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to all the listeners. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> That's, it's okay. It's my show. I can do what I want. Uh, the, I do believe a metaphor and analogy are largely the same. Hold on. Sarah, you went to college as opposed to me. What, what, metaphor and analogy are the same thing, though, essentially, aren't they? You took, you took classes so and things. So imagine an analogy like an like. I you know I don't know. Oh goddamn! I, I don't have know. To look it up. A metaphor. Looking online, it says a metaphor is a figure of speech that uses one thing uh, to, to be sort of a, a symbol of another. Yes, okay. it is. Yeah, it, as opposed to a, a, in other words, with a simile, you are just saying, look, I know they're not the same thing, but it's like this other thing. A metaphor is when you simply say one thing is another thing. Like when right. you say, uh, you know, the, the subject of alcoholism was an 800-pound elephant in the middle of the room. 
And apparently an analogy can be a metaphor. It's sort of a square and rhombus situation here. An analogy is the use of a similar example or model to explain or extrapolate from. Yes, so it can be an analogy. It also can be a relationship with your classic SAT, A is to B, C is to D. Synonyms for allergy, uh, allergy, for analogy include example or parable. Oh, not enough parables. That You ought to start working more parables in your political coverage. Oh, that, that's a good idea. You're right. And then perhaps move all the way up to fables. Yeah. That's, <laughs> a full-on fable. Start, well, Rick. We start work. Well, Rick, there was once a fox who walked by a woman churning butter. <laughs> this way. <laughs> As one lizard said while riding on a bale of hay through the outback. The lizard and the cricket. Jesus. Okay. Perfect. We have to end this now. <laughs> yes. All right. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you very soon. Okay. Bye. All right, bye. There you go. CNN, uh, I'll play us into the break here. CNN radio correspondent, uh, Lisa Desjardins. Hi, Sarah. How you doing over there? Start playing. <laughs> yeah. Zam. All right. Uh, we come back. Jim Riley, you have news for us? Yes, and plenty of it. Fantastic. Protestant and fiercely proud of it. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, they're going to be at uh, Satyricon tomorrow night. Go see them. Wednesday, 13. Uh, the Rick Emerson Show continues next with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth East Area. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Emerson radio program. By the way, I mentioned the other night that my wife wants us to go to Nicaragua uh, for our next, quote, vacation, end quote. I was sort of pressing the issue, and I wrote this down at 9.17 p.m. I said, this is what she said, well, come on, let's, why don't you want to go to Nicaragua? And I said, why should we go there? And then her response was, I've written this down, her response was, there are Nicaraguans there. As though that, like, settled the entire thing. So, clearly this is a conversation for another day. Uh, at the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So three people get hurt when a car crashes through a quote shop in Oregon City. It happened a few minutes ago. Uh, this happened at uh, Let's Quilt at 19713 South Highway 213. Uh, two people working inside the quilt shop, and the driver appeared to be hurt, too. None of the injuries looked serious. So it became a let's run for our lives instead. Well, like the, maybe the quilt's uh, cushion there for <laughs> being sort of an, hurt even worse. A natural padding. Mm -hmm. So no one's, no one's seriously injured? I can make no. fun of it? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> Except to say this. I don't understand the difference between a quilt and a comforter. I think they're the same thing. Are they? Yeah. So it's like a it's like a metaphor and it's like a simile and an analogy? Mm hmm All right. Yes. I'd like to form a band called Algae Analogy. Well, don't let us stop you. <laughs> Here's Tim Riley. Uh, then somebody was uh, firing a gun outside the Burger King Mall 205 at 2 o'clock this morning. Not the same Mall 205, Tim. 
It's not the same all 205? Never mind. Don't worry about it. it it's the new one? Yes, yeah, it's the new one. What's the one that people shoot at? Uh, apparently, somebody heard somebody uh, shooting, and they told everyone to get down. Then somebody uh, went and hid in the kitchen area. There was flying glass all over the place, but paramedics treated and released uh, somebody at the scene. Three workers were inside at the time of the shooting. This happened at the corner of Southeast Stark and Southeast 100th Avenue. A car pulled into the Burger King parking lot, and somebody just opened fire. Uh, two bullet holes are visible from the glass windows, so don't ask me if they're going to live with them or uh, replace the windows. Uh, witnesses uh, saw the car speed up, heading eastbound on Washington Street toward Gresham. <laughs> heading back to home sweet home. Mm-hmm. Uh, then a teenager got hurt uh, seriously last night after falling beneath the wheels of a sport utility vehicle. He was engaged in an activity that the kids call skitching. Is anybody familiar with this? I was just going to say, let's skitching. go around the room and see what skitching is. Sarah, what would you guess that skitching is? This is what kids are doing? Yeah, hold on. Let's bring Richie in on this, too. Well, they play the choking game, too. This is separate. This is when, you, uh, when you're bored with the choking game? This is when you've outgrown the choking game? It's quite fun. Skitching. I don't really know where Richie is. I'm I haven't a... seen him in a while. Do we know that he still works here? Yeah, I wonder what happened to Richie. I... Firings always happen on a Friday, you know. Or on a Tuesday. Or on a Tuesday. What? Wow. Okay. No, you're right. No, we got fired on a Thursday. That's true. Did we? <laughs> All right. Well, let's play this one more time and see if we can. I haven't seen Richie in a while. Maybe he's cleaning out her offices. Smoking with the engineers. Yeah. All right. Skitching. Skitching. Something that kids do. Skitching. Mm-hmm. It has to do with... Uh, Does it involve... Skating. Is, oh, I was going to... Okay. Or skateboarding. Is uh, is this something where they perform skating maneuvers on the top of a moving vehicle? That would be my guess, where they perform skating maneuvers on the top of a moving oh, here vehicle. Here we go. I have some more information coming up here. All right. Uh, skitching is the act of hitching a ride on the rear bumper of a car when there is ice or slick snow on the roads. It can also be done with a skateboard, which happened this time, in urban areas where there is no snow or ice. Wait, so it's like a Marty McFly Back to the Future thing where you just grab the back of a car on your skateboard and yes as a matter of fact michael j fox can be seen sketching in the back to the future movie in 1985 all right then the sketch vehicle can be either aware or unaware in this case the driver was unaware uh this young man jason abbott uh was riding his skateboard when he grabbed the back of an suv driven by 20 year old john mendoza uh, mendoza was driving slowly and had no idea that the sketching was going on uh, speed and alcohol are not factories. It's just stupidity this time. But I don't understand how this... How was it that he was he run fell, over? He fell beneath the wheels of the SUV and was run over. But how does that happen if you're behind the SUV, which is presumably moving forward? Right. And you're on a skateboard, so you can go underneath and get ahead of it a little bit. Oh, I see. So this is... So this... What's his name? Jason Abbott? Yes. Compressing the Abbotts. Mm-hmm. He, um, he slid underneath the vehicle, which then rolled over his idiot body. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what you get for acting like a jackass. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Maybe he won't, maybe he won't have stupid kids of his own. What's, uh, hello, hi. I'm sorry, is this me? Yes, it is, sir. I have never been so excited to call anybody about anything until I heard, heard the word skitching. Yes. When I was a kid, I'm 44 years old. When I was a kid on Long Island, New York, we skitched, but it was no, there was no skateboard involved. It was when the roads got icy, uh-huh. and we would be the school would be closed because it was too icy, and we would just stand on a street corner and lurk about, and people couldn't see out of their back windows or anything. And all you do is grab the 
the bumper and your feet are on the ice and you slide along on the ice. See, that actually, I think, I don't think I ever did that. I was kind of a pussy even as a child. But I, I, I think that my friends did that growing up in Kenna where we had these horrible winters. I, I never knew anybody out here who knew what skitching was. I've heard people call it dealy bobbing or kick a bobbing or something stupid like that in Oregon. But we called it skitching, and I always thought it was because that's the sound your feet make along the ice. Yeah, that. Okay. And you could get seriously injured and killed doing that. Oh, well, I think I think the proof of that is Jason Abbott, who's, uh, I think he ain't got no legs at this point. So. Well, I knew, a, I knew a kid who, you know, when you start falling off, you need to let go. <laughs> and I knew yeah. a kid did not let go, and he slid along on his knees for a while, and it could be bad news. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing you don't want to do. Uh, I remember, I mean, there's all kinds of, I mean, I'm stating the obvious, but all kinds of crap you do when you're that age that you look back and you're like, it's like you thought you were in that movie Hooper. Like you thought you were some sort of a movie, like, you know, in your head, you thought you were, uh, you know, like it's like your own personal stunt maneuvering that you were doing. So. Oh, yeah, we would do it to go downtown. We would go for miles. Yeah. All right. Th yes, and how long have you How long have you lived out here? Sir? Uh, 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 17 years. Excellent, my friend. Have uh, Have you been a listener to this program for any length of time? Oh, yeah, a couple of years. Cool. Are you spreading the word? Oh, yes, I am. All right. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. All right, there you go. Thank you. Excellent. Back when I was a kid, people did donuts in parking lots. I think they still do that, though. Mm -hmm. Or maybe not. I don't know if maybe they call it something else, though. Uh, one of my one of my cousins uh, got a ticket for that, doing donuts. And it, you step on the gas on an icy spot, and the car goes around the circle. Right. So I guess my aunt didn't really understand what he was arrested for. He thought he was arrested for throwing donuts. <laughs> Or that a donut was some kind of exotic drug. He's doing the donuts, ma'am. Um, I remember my my dad. God, my dad was just a menace. Just a menace to himself and everyone around him. How about these days? Uh, a menace to fewer people now, I think. I don't really know. I'm just speculating at this point. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing right now he's just a menace to whatever nurses are walking by him in the home. Um, but it, my, I remember being a kid, and, and maybe it just, maybe I'm just less than a man. I, he would probably concur with that fact, actually. But I remember my dad, I remember he was trying to be, maybe he was trying to be cool, or he was trying to be the hip dad, or maybe he was just like, just an overgrown idiot child. I think it was probably the latter. My dad doing all kinds of sort of dangerous driving things, like with me in the car, I think trying to be sort of cool. And, you know, whatever, it's, I mean, you know, it's, it, people say your car is not a toy, that's, partially incorrect what type of cool things were these i remember my dad you know with the, the donut thing i remember my dad doing that in a truck that we owned when i was a kid and i was man i was like maybe seven or eight being in the, it was like a, i think it was a chevy love and um it was just like the worst the worst truck ever it was just a piece of crap um but going to a parking lot near our home i think it might have been a high school or something and it was icy and whatever and my dad's like, come on, get the truck. We're going to go do something fun. And, of course, I'm thinking, going to the mall. We're going to play a video game. We're going to do whatever. No, my dad takes us to the, uh, the whatever, the high school parking lot. And then just, and there's a huge empty parking lot where there were, I mean, there were painted spaces, but there were no, no concrete stops or anything. So it was a huge, empty expanse of flat pavement. And my dad flooring the truck and then, you know, getting it up to however many miles an hour and then just cranking the steering wheel around to the left. And just whipping the truck in circles. And I remember being like nine and being terrified. I mean, it was it was a, a quintessentially unnerving experience. So, anyway, what are you going to do? Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, uh, those, uh, that, that uh, accident out in Camus just goes to prove that one genius does not make a brain trust. Yeah. Yes. The, the other guy, the guy that was driving is a buddy of his. 
who just happens to have a suspended driver's license. Oh, is that true, really? Yeah, and I really doubt that they were doing that, and the guy driving didn't know. And what the way he probably got under the wheels is if, like, if the guy turned to the left or the right. Yeah, well, that I mean, that's the thing is you never really think these things through all the way when you're about like seventeen or dumb. Ex exactly, like the guy yeah. jumped. Like you never really think like, what if I miss the train? What if I don't grab a hold of the door correctly? I'm gonna be wheeling myself around like Eddie Murphy and trading places yeah, for the rest of my life. My nose with a hook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Bye. All right. See, right. picking my nose with a hook. It's the phrase of the day. I remember my, the other thing my dad would do is he would, to his credit, he put a helmet on me. But my dad sticking me on the back of his motorcycle and, like, whipping us down these narrow Kennewick roads that had, like, a huge cliff going off of one side at what seemed like about a billion miles an hour on his motorcycle. I don't know if you, anybody here, if you all are big motorcycle riders or anything, but I, I mean, going, like, 10 miles an hour on a motorcycle feels like about 50. And going 50 miles an hour on a motorcycle feels like you are at faster than light speed. So I just remember sitting there, and I even at that age, I think I I thought things through a little too much for my own good. Being on the back of this motorcycle, and where you have no control, that's the other freaky thing about riding on a motorcycle as opposed to driving a motorcycle. When you are riding on the back of a motorcycle and someone else is driving it, you realize that it is completely and totally out of your control, and that there is nothing but your own clothing separating you from the pavement uh, should you be kicked off at some point. And just thinking to myself, you know, if this thing goes sideways, I'm going to fly forward at about 100 miles an hour and be ground down like the bad end of a pencil. So I just, I opted not to continue that in the future. Uh, let's see here. Um, what are we doing here? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how you? how's the gang doing today? Fine. Yeah, we're fine, sir. Good. I'm your new caller that deemed you guys the Seinfeld crew. And did you remember me? Yeah, uh, did we determine did we determine in that call who was who? I well, vaguely well, remember that. Yes, we did. Anyhow, I grew up in Bend and I'm 49 years old. So back in the 70s, a group of us, we were all getting stoned and we decided that we'd go rock skiing. In a sense, back in those days, I don't know if it's like that, this now, but you had a good pair of skis and a pair of skis that you called rock skis for like spring skiing. You know, when the rocks would start sticking out of the snow. Uh -huh. Anyhow, we're all stoned, and we decide to do that behind a truck. Of course. Why not? And I lived uh, out in the country, and I was adjacent to uh, BLM land. So we, we took all our skis out on this dirt road, and I slammed into this juniper tree, and that was about the end of it for me. <laughs> See, and you, one good incident like that, that's the thing. is That's the dividing line. Like, you have that incident, you go... Wait a minute. Maybe this isn't so clever. Uh, or you're like, oh, no, but no, no, no. It no was did you fun, continue? Though. Hell yes, we did. <laughs> I okay. mean, we were never stoned. mind. I guess you're on the other side of the equation then. You're hey, on listen. The, let's continue doing it side. Uh, of course, I have a few more items, if I may. Uh, how about one more? Okay. Yesterday you were talking about the uh, Israeli gal that you worked with. Yes. I lived in Israel for seven years. I have a dual citizenship, mm -hmm. and I served in the uh, in the paratroopers. And for a girl like that, her, <laughs> when they get in, all, their basic training is only like five weeks. Mm -hmm. And you're saying, and this gal could like kill me. Oh, no. I mean, my, my basic training was six months. Man, I, I tell you this, either either she really was just lethal in a multitude of ways, or she would just, or they'd just given her the look. You know what I mean? She had that look, <laughs> the don't F with me or I will kill you with a Q-tip. 
It's, well, and, anybody can pose for the camera. Oh, man. You know, that's all it took. That really, the, the photo of her, uh, like, in the hot Israeli army gear with, like, the, carrying the Uzi, that's, doesn't matter. Man, she could have gotten that taken at Disney World for $5. Doesn't matter. It, it did it. It had its infected, uh, its intended purpose, sir. All right, there you go. Thank you. Uh, here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. It's going to be a bunch of dirt skiing calls all day. I can just sense it. Out of Longview comes word that the Little Rascals Academy, this is a daycare center for the kiddies, has been forced to close its doors after a state inspector witnessed some disturbing behavior. The kids are being restrained for nap time right in front of the inspector, who reported seeing a toddler placed face down on the mat with his head covered with a blanket, and then a worker covering the child's body with her two legs. A daycare operator told the inspector she didn't know what else teachers were supposed to do to control children. Her daughter, who works at the center, said the teacher uh, who restrained the child was fired. However, the state contends that the woman didn't treat the incident seriously and had to take action before the... Uh, well, before it happened again. So the daycare, the daycare center, their whole thing to, to get the kids to calm down was to sit on them? No, I guess she was resting her legs on the child. So the child was some sort of a fleshy hassock. Yes. Okay. Uh, in fact, parents, uh, let's see, uh, they found uh, multiple complaints against the Little Rascals Academy of Longview. And they go back uh, two years. Issues, uh, let's see, understaffing, nutrition, and supervision. So, well, it is Longview. I mean, can they expect it to be? Uh, here's a story about a woman beating her sister with a fake leg. Who wants to hear it? <laughs> Me. All right. An ex-homecoming queen from uh, a little town outside of Pittsburgh is accused of attacking her sister with a prosthetic leg and then threatening to burn down a neighbor's house. Donna Anthony has a history of alcohol problems, including two DUI convictions. Police say Anthony's sister came to visit her trailer when the two started arguing about her alcohol abuse. Then Anthony pulled off her sister's prosthetic leg and beat her with it. Wait, no, so, oh, so there wasn't even, she wasn't even using her own leg. No, her sister's leg. Well, whatever's yeah, handy, I suppose. It. They do teach you to use anything as a weapon. Then she stole her neighbor's telephone and threatened to burn down her trailer. She testified against her. She's uh, being held without bond in the Westmoreland County Prison. So did she actually pull the prosthetic leg off of yes. the sister, or was it just sort of leaning in a corner, like holding an umbrella? No, or... she pulled it right off. <laughs> well, that's... You know the thing about prosthetic legs? I don't really you know don't mess how... with people who live in run-down trailers. No, I've, I've learned that. Uh, I don't understand how prosthetic legs are really held on. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I don't know. Like what? Velcro? But I mean, attached to what? Like, they can't just Russia. implant Velcro... <laughs> But there's no Velcro. Look, if there's a Velcro... Oh, maybe that, they're super glued onto if, the skin somehow. If there's, if there's a Velcro that attaches itself to skin, I don't want to know about it. That's a thing I'd rather... That's You're the one who said it. I... Now that it's sunk in, I regret saying that. Can we create some sort of a hook and loop fastener that just bonds to flesh? I, what uh, about people with false teeth who have those hooks that hold their plate in? Well, what is it? First of all, let me ask you this. What is, when they say my upper plate, what is that? All right, it's a it's a metal plate, a fleshy-looking plate, with your false teeth attached to it, and there are hooks on both sides, and you stick it in your mouth, and your false teeth are hooked to your back teeth. Really? Yes. It's gross. Is that now, is that with all false teeth? I'm not sure. I'm going back to the 80s. Well, I, my I mom, remember my dad had that. Well, you know, my mom had false teeth, and she didn't, there were no, and when you're a kid, you're fascinated by those things, mm -hmm. right? Like when you're a kid, you're like, look at mom's false teeth. So my mom had, and my mom had like the full, on like, but you know, but, but here's... Not to be all going on and on about my mom's dental hygiene, um, but my mom didn't even have back teeth. Like, my mom had, like, full-on, 100% false teeth. Uh, and so, but so I guess there would have been nothing to hook them to. Oh. So, 
why if you, but it, why I, I do you guess they vary depending on the person like why do you why do you need uh, hooks for that holding your teeth in with hooks sounds really weird anyway um why can't you just sort of like snap them in over your gum line or whatever maybe they can now but i remember my dad had hooks interesting so does that mean that like so could one hook ever somehow come undone and like your teeth are just and the teeth are sort of cockeyed like in I, his I mouth? suppose it could be Boy, that just seems like a weird accident waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I asking? Oh, and so the plate, though, is the plate the actual structure that holds the teeth in? It it goes... Is that like on the roof of your mouth? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. the plate is sort of like a pseudo-roof of your mouth. Correct. It's, you know what it is? In, in like, automobile terms, it's like a bed liner. It's like a bed liner in a truck, but it goes over your upper over the roof of your mouth. Okay, fair enough. But go, let's go back to the prosthetic leg for a second. So let's say Sarah loses her leg. Let's say she's only got a right stump. We give her the prosthetic leg. How does that attach to you? Is it like a belt? Do you wear a belt? And it's sort of like one of those, uh, what are those things? The, I think uh, it's fitted, and I think we're going to do it that you lose the leg. Why does that have to be me? The, why is everything me? Why is it? Why do all these stories? The stump. I see it. Well, I've seen people take them off. I think it's like it's fitted to the skin. So it's, uh, in other words, they do like a, um, they do like a cast, like a plaster casting. Yeah, I don't think they have them in stock. Well, that means you got to probably, made. now you got to really maintain your weight then, I would imagine. Because if they because if they make it that, in other words, if it's like a hand and glove kind of a thing, you can't put on any weight, or you can't lose any weight though, right? So when Sarah loses this leg, or Rick when he loses his leg, both just... of his legs actually, <laughs> both of his legs in one eye, <laughs> and when he's bathed in a bath of acid, uh, and after the seagulls peck out his ears, um, so if they. I don't know if we're spending too much time talking about fake legs, but this is one of those things I never really thought about until just now. Well, because you've seen people pop off their fake legs. I mean, it just seems kind of, like, suctioned onto there. So if they make it, though, in other words, if they do a plaster cast and then they make the prosthetic just so it perfectly fits your, you know, your stump or your partial or whatever they call it. I imagine so, the same way as they make teeth. But then you can never put on or or lose a lot of weight because then then you'd have to get a new one. And those things aren't cheap. I mean, the thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. Well, now i got to know. All right, if you have a... uh, if you're a stump-having person. Or if you're somebody who makes artificial Or if you make, you know, i got to tell you, there's money in, in uh, prosthetic limbs. I'm t- Seriously. You, well, especially now due to this war. I mean, we don't, never see any of these people or hear about them, but I'm sure there are a lot of people. Well, you know, uh, you know uh, I have some friends of mine who work with, uh, you know, vets who have just come back, and, you know, some guys, you know, his hands all bummed up or whatever. And, it's, I mean, those are, I mean, tens of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, just and that's I mean, and that's just for like the low end models. I mean, you get like the full on bionic, you know, Cyberdyne hand. I think you're talking like eighty, ninety grand. Uh, let's see here. We've got prosthetic leg, stupid motorcyclist. Another guy talking about legs. Let's see here. Let's do a higher on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick, how's it going? It's uh, going fantastically, uh-huh. sir. We're trying to get over the fact that Sarah lost a leg, but other than that, we're pulling and ourselves Rick together. Rick lost both of his legs, one arm, and two eyeballs. <laughs> I'm covered in sores. You've got to stop saying that, Rick. Stop saying it. Are you afraid that I'm going to make it happen no, somehow, like don't a final say destination that. thing? What's up, sir? Hey, I was watching a show one time about and this gal had a prosthetic leg, and uh, it suction that holds it on there. They just kind of jab the stump in there, and the suction holds it on there. They just jab the stump in there. That's right. That's a, that's a great phrase. That's like picking your nose with a hook. Yeah. Um, so they just uh, well, okay. So maybe and if it's like a if the actual um, you know the receiving end the actual prosthetic if it's sort of rubbery you it maybe is like a it's like a narrowing thing so you just kind of slide it in there until it kind of goes and just fits right exactly kind of like much like when you open up a can of soup and dump it upside down it doesn't come out 
So your leg is, let's see, if you're opening a can of a can of Campbell's soup, your leg is the soup. Your leg is the soup. The prosthetic is the can. Exactly. And the suction holds the soup in there a little bit. And you got to kind of, you know, jack it up and down a little bit there before the, before the soup will come out of the can. Right. Excellent. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Right on. Have a good one. Wonderful. All right. There you go, Sarah. There's hope for your kind after all. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. How about your eyes? <laughs> Is it you? I don't know. I can't see the screen. Yes, hey, it's Rick. you. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's up? Hey, uh, just another stupid motorcycle guy. Uh, when I was a kid uh, out in Beaver Creek, uh, friends had a big farm, and this guy, this kid was crazy. So, like you said, on the back of a motorcycle, which is the worst helpless feeling in the world, because he's going like a maniac, screaming at the top of his lungs in a cow pasture chasing cows. Oh, and see, and the, the thing is, and I, you know, and I know I'm just a big sissy in the opinion of many people, but you know what? I, I think motorcycle riding is motorcycle riding is a binary thing. In other words, yeah. I think you are either into riding a motorcycle or you're not. And there's a lot of guys. Well, Dennis is one of those guys, and so is Bozik. You know, hey, I'm gonna get my get on my hog and try to whatever. And I'm not making fun of that. Whatever, to each his own. Well, uh, that's but, fine, but man, but if you're not into being on a motorcycle, which I am not, it is it is a singularly terror. And my dad would do the same. Thing. We'd be racing along, and I'm in the back seat, even at nine, seeing my whole life flash before my eyes. Which yeah. at that point only took about a second and a half, and then you just got you know you just got a blank screen for the rest of the trip. And my dad is up there going, Hey, isn't this Great, you know, and it's like there's really there's you know what are you going to say to that? There's just nothing. Yeah. Well, it's for them, but not for the guy in the back who's terrified. But, but anyway, so he finally lets me off the motorcycle, and then he keeps you know proceeding to go around chasing the cows. Well, he finally falls off, and they proceed to trample him. Oh, excellent! Well Which done. Was awesome. Broke his forearm. He had prints all over his body. Oh, that is great. Good ending to the story. <laughs> Thank you very much. Sometimes miracles do happen, sir. I regret nothing. All right. There you go, Panda and. The final uh, prosthetic leg call, uh, I believe this is our good friend Jason Crump from Vanish Twin Photography. Hello, sir. Hey, Rick. How you doing, man? What's up, brother? Uh, well, no, I was just wondering. I've done some research on the fake leg since I'm looking to get one. So, because you're going to get now, because you were going to get the full on like like Robo drum kit and everything that worked like if you were like light one leg, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, 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 so fill us in. Well, the ones that I, um the ones that I were looking at were actually from a, a company over in Germany and. Uh, Depending on where you have your leg cut off, if it's like above the knee or below the knee, they usually have a little um, fitted interface that's um, suction-based. You just put it in, and it's uh, got a, a cup that goes over the nub, uh -huh. <laughs> and then it just uh, fits around. And leave, then... it, leave it to the Germans, by the way, to spend a lot of time researching what you can cut off of people and then how you can let them walk again. Um... Hey, no, that's my people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then, and so it's just, you know, it is like a, like a sort of a, a rubbery cup that kind of just goes over it. The right. old ones used to have, um, like, the little sleeve that would go over the stump, and then you would have, like, a little strap system uh -huh. that would come, like, up your thigh if it was, like, the knee or lower, and you actually have to, like, belt it on back so in the olden days. So it's like wearing, what are those, those garters or, or whatever, like, where you had the, you know, the stockings that had to be held up with straps or whatever, like, back in the 20s. So is it, now, how much, like, does insurance pay for that? Uh, well, in this country, not so much all of it, but. All right. How much does one of those cost, like, if you want to get a decent fake leg? Oh, geez, the ones I were looking at were like uh, thirty thousand. Oh, see, that's just it's, for thirty thousand. It really ought to have like a button you can press on the side, and then it, it like RoboCop. It goes, but instead of the gun, it's like a flask or something that's like chilling inside the whole time. 
Oh, yeah, no, they do some really crazy stuff. They're all like T-1000 legs and stuff like that. Excellent. All right, thank you. Jason Crump from uh, Vanish Twin Photography. Thank you, sir. All right, man. Thank there you. Go. Jason Crump of uh, VanishTwin.com uh, is that uh, website. There you go. Wonderful. Shall we take a break and come back and talk about something more life-affirming? Yes. I'm sorry. I just, there's things that I'm curious about. I know, we all are. It's an educational program. Do you know that up until last night, I thought Cafe Ole was spelled O-L-E, like like Spanish? Ole! I can see why that would be a reason. Thought that until last night. Anyway. It's 503-733-2970. Said it's the Rick Emerson radio program. I regret nothing. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. This is Tim Riley. Well, the Coast Guard is ending its search for that Japanese hot air balloonist. He's been missing since uh, January 31st. Uh, he was a Japanese adventurer and was flying from Japan to Oregon, but he didn't make it, apparently. They searched about 400 miles south of Unmak Island in the Aleutians, and they were unable to find him. They saw a little debris, but that really doesn't prove anything. He apparently carried a survival pod with him, some cold weather gear, some food, and water. But can't spend money on people you can't find, now can you? Uh, this is the start of the four-day event called the Great Backyard Bird Count, and we need your help to count the birds of Portland. So what you do, spend 15 minutes a day until the 18th counting as many birds in as many places as you can. Keep a list for every day and location. Count the greatest number of individuals of each species you see. Are you and making this up? No, I really... <laughs> Plan to count birds. Is this a joke? <laughs> no, this is very serious. <laughs> count birds for at least 15 minutes every day. Yeah, I'll get right on that. In as many places as possible. You keep a separate list of counts for each day. Count the greatest number of individuals of each species that you see together at one time, and then write them down, too. Uh, then go to the regional bird checklist. This is... <laughs> And get your information. <laughs> they do this every year. Great. To uh, count birds. And if you're interested, I know you are, go to AutobahnPortland.org. Is this? The Portland Audubon Society. Is that where I can find the regional bird checklist? It is. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go to it right now here and see what we find. What sort of birds are there in uh, in Portland, you're Oregon? Filling your, you're filling your postal code, All right. your town. Let's do it now. All right. Postal code. Give me one. Uh, how about 97201? 97201. Let's hear the state. Uh, Tom would be Portland. The state would be Oregon. You're kind of doing a Joe Friday thing there. Yeah. My name's Tim. I have a microphone. And, uh, okay. Hit go. Let's go. To go. Oh, okay. So there are birds of all descriptions here. Have you seen any great white-fronted geese? I don't know the answer to that. Any cackling geese? I don't know, but I like the word cackle. Uh, Canadian dusty goose. Yes. There's one. A tender swan. Sure. A Eurasian wigajon. <laughs> Are you a wigajon? <laughs> a, a cinnamon teal. 
I have a whole list of them here. You're sure that these aren't swatches of paint that they're looking no, for? No, these are all of them. That's just the waterfall. Well, there's no picture of it. What the hell is that? Well, you're supposed to know better. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go get a book of birds. I just came... Loons and Grebes. What yeah. is a Grebe? I don't, they have a redneck Grebe, a Western, and Clark's Grebe. You know, the thing about redneck... Redneck, <laughs> redneck red, Grebes. Are they called redneck Grebes? No, wait a minute. Let me see if they have any. What's the name of red what Grebe? Uh, redneck. Yeah, redneck Grebe. You know, I wouldn't want my sister to marry one. That's all I can say. Those are the kind that chew tobacco and have the, <laughs> the Nick and Lady mud flaps on their trucks. Um, a red-throated loon and a mm. common loon. I see are those you... all the time in Southeast. Common loons okay, are everywhere. Okay, so there'll be at least two dozen. <laughs> Usually rifling through my trash bins looking for 40s. Have you seen any uh, Thayer's gulls? Here's... Can I just... How about Sabrina's gull? Let me just... Uh, let me just... Inter- a short-eared owl or a long-eared owl you or know, there's, a barreled owl. There's that thing people say in message where they say, this thread is useless without pictures. This whole thing is useless without pictures. Woodpeckers. The northern flicker. I don't even... The pleated woodpecker, a three-toed woodpecker, a black-back woodpecker, flycatchers, a black Phoebe, or says Phoebe. There are two kinds of flycatchers here, apparently. I don't know whether this Jays, is... Jays, magpies, crows, and ravens. Really funny or really tedious. I know. It's up to you. But let me but let me just interject for a moment. A, a note, titmouse, or is your name... <laughs> here's, here's something really bad. Uh... This kind of bird is called a bus hit. No. Bus hit? Now, if I pronounced it the way it looks. B-U-S. Yes. Oh. you got to be careful with that one. Oh, no, that's not... Yes? I don't even... Can we say that? Well, if you're Jim Fonda, sh- you can. Can we... Sh- <laughs> um... Anyway, let's just stop here. Let me just say this. Wagtails and pipits. <laughs> Wood warblers, sparrows, and others. I wish I was stoned right now, because this would be like the best radio I'd ever heard. So, but do you, can you, re- let me ask you this. Can you recognize any, I mean, would you know any of these birds if you saw them? A loon. Would you, I don't even know what a loon, here's, you know what I know about loons? I know that there are those things on, on Golden Pond. That's right, that's how, the that, loons, that, the loons, that's name? how you know what the loons are. The Catherine Hepburn thought, you old goat, the, the, hmm? the loons are back. <laughs> a Canadian goose, you know what that is. No, I don't. Canadian geese are everywhere. I, I don't know what one looks like. You're kidding. No, I mean, I mean, have you showed what it to me. What Canadian goose looks like? No, I mean, if you showed it to me, I might go, oh, I've seen that bird before. But if you say Canadian goose, I can't conjure up my head what that is. I mean, really, that's what, really strange. When would you learn that, though? Canadian geese—they're everywhere. They're everywhere. I'm not disputing that. I'm saying and you live in the Northwest. Okay, listen to me now. You're in Michigan, Canada. Stop that's why it! Here. You quit ganging up on me. Listen, here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying I wouldn't recognize the bird if you showed it to me. But I'm saying if you showed me a bunch of pictures of birds and then put their names on the side, I don't know that I could match the bird to the name. You could not pick out a Canadian goose if I give you several choices of birds. Well, if you gave me like if you showed me like a robin and a bluebird and, and, a, huge, and then a huge goose, I can believe that's the goose. I don't really know what a Canadian, as opposed to like an American goose. Like, we don't have I, American geese. So there are only Canadian geese. Yes. All right. So the Canadian is sort of superfluous. They have the monopoly on geese. Let me ask you this. There are, other, there are other kinds of geese, but do you ever, do you ever go outside and you see, like, like here's here's the thing. I don't know if we have blackbirds here. Yes, we do. They're on the list. Okay, but do you know? I see blackbirds sometimes, and I think, is that a crow? Mm-hmm. And then I think, what's the difference between a crow and a blackbird? And could I tell them apart? That's because there are red-winged blackbirds, tricolored blackbirds, a western meadowlark, a yellow-headed blackbird, a, a brown-headed cowbird. 
In my head, here's... brown-headed cowbird? That's what it says. In my head, here are three birds that are the same. Blackbird, crow, and a raven. I don't know that I could tell any of those apart in the lineup. Well, I'm going to print out the list so you can keep track of these at home. Thank God for... I wonder what I was going to do this weekend. <laughs> now I know. All right. I don't think we can say the name of that one bird on the air. Probably not. Well, you can, but I'm not going to. Okay. Save it for Thursday, because we always get fired on Thursday. I'll, 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 I'll spell the bird's name this way. Mm-hmm. The first half of the bird's name is spelled B-U-S, like school bus. B-U-S. Mm-hmm. The second half of the bird's name is spelled H-T-I-T. H-T-I-T. <laughs> it's all one word. It's all one word, though. Yeah. It's the name of a bird. I mean, I guess we can say it. It's just one of those things I want. That's when Sarah always points out that well, I'm waiting. you could say this is a public service announcement for the Autobot Society of Portland. Or I could just get Jane Fonda on here as part of that segment, and then it would be okay, apparently. Mm-hmm. Sarah always points out that I'm way more gun-shy than I need to be, so I'm not going to say it, but that's the name of the bird. All right. Let's be Yeah, that one this. seems a little... Yeah. Well, that was kind of fun, wasn't it? Pro- probably not as much as I thought it would be. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> Welcome to about 80% of what comes out of my mouth every day. Well, that wasn't nearly as funny as I was hoping when I said it. It was amusing. Maybe it'll be funny the second time around. I'll listen, I'll listen to this hour again tonight when I get home. Seriously, but if you went home, I'm not suggesting that anybody uh, do this with their bodies, but if you were to go home and like maybe load up like a little smoke and then come back listen to that, that's gold. That's a 10 out of 10. So start counting birds today. <laughs> but be sure you're high while doing it. Here's Tim Riley. Well, that's from the Audubon Society. Okay. Uh, a robbery suspect tried to hide his face with a pair of underwear, but the disguise fooled no one. Police arrested Jerry Keene and Elizabeth Blankenship. A short time later, after the pair allegedly robbed a hillbilly market. Now, this took place in some uh, southern town, apparently. <laughs> this is really uh, only news. Went into the, the convenience store and then left. Keen then entered, concealing his face with the underwear, allegedly showing a gun and demanded money. The witnesses identified the suspect despite the disguise. Uh, they're being held in jail. Was he a white guy with a big stain in the middle of his face? <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> I just got the best. That went right down his nose. I got the best email here. It says... Hey, pass this along. I just saw a seagull. 12.35, northwest 17th. He was headed east, then north. Wait, now west. Alert. So there you go. Duly noted. Here's Tim Riley. So try to keep these lists for the entire month. Uh-huh. Also, raptors and falcons are on the list. Uh, Hastings, a uh, Minnesota man who chased a woman with a chainsaw and goes to court today. Terrence Barton broke into the woman's home last month, argued with her, then revved up the chainsaw... Well, he, uh, he actually didn't touch the victim with a chainsaw. He's accused of biting her, hitting her, and baking her cell phone in the oven when she tried to call for help. He faces multiple charges, well, including assault, malicious destruction of property. If you got a chainsaw, why bother to bite? That really is... I mean... And then bake your cell phone. Now you have to preheat the oven. Is that in the favorites column? Potato so. cell phone? <laughs> That's one of, the, <laughs> That's one of the presets. Right next to microwave popcorn. Um, let's see here. Uh, we have here... Richie is describing this this caller as being girl online trying to quote sweet talk me for tickets. All right. For tickets. Find out. Uh, hi, hello. Who's this? Well, this is Diana Anderson, but I never oh, spoke I with uh, Richie. This is so you're not the girl sweet talking him for tickets. No, I just wanted to ask you what right. your view of the Tufted Titmouse was. Well, it depends on. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I was just going to say it depends on if I'm standing or. Sitting? No, I don't know. I guess it's just a little brown bird. I know, but I was trying to think of something better. I was going to say, depends on if she's bent over sharpening a pencil. See, that's not funny. It doesn't flow. It's got to be shorter. All right. 
Here's uh, Tim Riley. Have you printed out the whole bird no, I list? I just wanted to get your bird list. Thanks so much. It'll keep you busy all weekend. It's three pages. Uh -huh. You know, somebody emailed me a good question about this, which I was just thinking is, what is the, what is the point of sending us all into the backyard to count birds when they're all, you know... It's a bird census. But I mean... Okay. But don't birds... What do they call that thing? Flying around? Don't birds go from... Isn't... That is, as he says, like standing on the freeway and counting cars. It Aren't we all counting the same birds at different times? It depends on where you are. The birds in my neighborhood are really mad due to all the new construction, and they're sitting in the trees waiting to swoop down and kill everyone. They're not about to leave just because new homes are built. <laughs> they're just sitting up there waiting for Suzanne Plachette to mm -hmm. come out of the school. Then they got to just tear people's eyeballs out. <laughs> it's hard to believe that no one takes us seriously as a news organization. <laughs> Broadcasting things about the tufted titmouse and talking about birds waiting to rip out your eyeballs. It's true. <laughs> I always make sure my car windows are closed when they go near them. There are millions of them. Try to stay away from any mysterious swing sets at the school. Mm -hmm. La 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 la. Right. The only scene in that movie that still really holds up to me. That that movie is kind of a kind of a drag when you watch it. It just takes forever and it's sort of dull. But boy, that movie, that, that sequence where she's sitting there looking over at the. Um, the jungle gym or whatever the hell that thing is. and One one bird, five birds, a hundred birds. All right. Here's Tim Riley. You know, people are like sheep. They blindly follow a small group of individuals without realizing it. This according to a new study. Uh, Science Daily reports that researchers found 5% of people can influence a large group's direction. The other 95% will follow subconsciously, even in crowds of 200 people or more. Researchers believe the findings could have implications for directing the flow of crowds in disasters when communications are often difficult. The scientists conducted a series of experiments where groups of people are asked to walk randomly around the large hall. A select few were given more detailed information on where to go. Thomas? I was just busy looking at this thing about the red the shafted flicker. See, now you're really interested. <laughs> you pretended that you didn't care. Bird's found a new hobby. <laughs> Seriously. Bird watching. And the, uh, and the red breasted sapsucker. The red breasted sapsucker? Yes, right That's here. Awesome. The uh, the the red-breasted sapsucker, and of course the hairy woodpecker. Right there, reading that. Right, this is from Autobahn. Uh, I'm sorry, Autobahn. Org. You're really helpful at this bird place. I had to call them once. The hairy wood, hairy woodpecker and the red-breasted sapsucker, not to be confused with the red-shafted flicker, or the pig or the pygmy nuthatch. The pygmy nuthatch. What does that even mean? Is that where they send Oompa Loompas when they lose their marbles? You're going to the pygmy nuthatch. I'm sorry. You'll laugh when one lands on your arm while you're counting it. A pygmy? Yes. Hi, <laughs> you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. Oh, I'm, I guess I need to pick up a phone call before that. Um, Let's see. Richie, are these going to be, are these all people calling up uh, to string together words that might be uh, offensive or indecent into what they believe are innocuate phrases. Innocuate. Innocuous. Innocuous. I don't know why I can't speak today. Innocuous phrases. Well, we're going to assume that's the case for now. Here's Tim Riley. How about the Fox Sparrow? That must be owned by Rupert Murdoch. I'm going to turn this face down. Right the Dark-Eyed Junko. I'm just... <laughs> Other, if this I don't... is supposed to be a reservoir of comedy. <laughs> It really is, but I think it might only be to us. Maybe so. I think it's... A... Okay, now here's one. The hermit thrush. I thought thrush was a, like some sort of tongue disease. 
A thrush is a bird. Really? I thought thrush was what you got in your mouth if you... It's like a hair grew on your tongue or something. All right. Um, let's see if there's one more that's amusing here, and then I'm going to turn this face down and never read it again. Hmm. Hmm. No. 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 And... No. Okay, we're done. Fantastic. Here's Tim Riley. How about the lesser yellow legs? Oh, I looked at that one, but I, I judged it not funny enough. Uh, Walmart stores plan to sell the Blu-ray high-definition movie format on DVD. They sell the phase-out sales of HD DVD systems in this, whatever they are. I must be well behind the, uh, what's going on here. I don't even have an HD DVD. Uh, by June, they'll only sell Blu-ray products. The decision marks the third real retailer to turn its back on HD DVD by Toshiba in favor of Blu-ray by Sony. What's the difference between all these? Uh, have we done all with this before? I think we have, but I don't think we ever really figured it out. What it means. So this is when all of our TVs are going to stop working, right? No, I have a story about no, that. No, no, that's too. not. See, okay. that's different. Okay. And it's also... <laughs> so Aaron's TV is going to quit working. Uh-huh. No, there was an article today that said that Hispanics are going to be out in the cold. Yeah. Fifteen uh, million Hispanics will have no TV. Uh, for For reasons that they explain in the article, but it's something to do with... Is it because of is it because of the the where they live, yeah. or is it or is it like a socioeconomic reason? There was I read that this morning though they said when the big changeover to digital TV happened. Well, a lot don't have cable. Then it's it's going to screw the Latin community who are going to turn on right. they're going to turn on the TV one day and it's okay or whatever. Well, Como? Most markets don't have even the big ones like L.A. TV stations. They have two. They're over the air. Right. They don't need cable. They don't want the English speaking program. Right. Well, that's true because it is it's a you know. Uh, not a niche market as such, but certainly a specialty market in yeah. some ways. So, um, yeah, so that's so that's going to suck. Uh, it, so there's three different things we're talking about. There's HD. Wait, no, no, no. no but see, it's not even HD. Digital television is not the same as HD television, right? Digital television just means it's not over the digital air. Digital is its delivery method, and digital is over the air. Well, if it's like via satellite. No, it's broadcast over the air. No, but I've got cable. Uh, I've got cable. Uh, you know, uh, you know, cable, cable. I've got the. I've got digital cable, and that doesn't come over the air. That comes through the cable in my house. Oh no, but I'm talking about over-the-air television stations broadcasting in digital still have a signal coming out of their tower. Yes, but so this thing of switching over to HD TV, that's a separate issue from switching over to digital delivery of television. Because most televisions are analog. Which means out of uh, over the air, floating around in the air, you pull it in an so antenna. Digital, digi- digital broadcast over the air also. Wow, you know we're just begging for a call from Bruce Agler with all of this talk. It's like we're going to conjure him. Uh, all right, and, so, I'm just making this worse, aren't I? <laughs> Maybe go back to bird talking. It's it's just that I it's it's very difficult to understand. And I think would you agree, Tim, that they have done a poor job of explaining this to the consumer? Mm-hmm. I mean, not just with. I mean, look, I'm kind of a bright guy when it comes to consumer electronics. I spend more than my share. I just bought a Roomba. I spend more than my share of time at Fry's and you know, installing programs that I, you know, that I then spend hours and hours figuring out every conceivable setting for. But they've done a really bad job of explaining all of this. So there's, let's put it all out there. So here's, there's 2009 next year, analog TV disappears as we know it. So that is over the air rabbit ears television. Right. Okay. But digital TV is also over the air. Which is. But your tuner of your current television cannot pick that up. Therefore, you need a little box that the government is going to give you vouchers for, apparently, that are worth 20 bucks. So, 
after what year's television? Next year. This is the last year of analog television. But I'm saying, if I bought my TV, say, three years ago, am I still screwed? Not if you have cable. So I do have cable. Right. If you have enough, if you have enough money to get cable or satellite, you're okay no matter what they do. Oh, to you. well then fine. Then okay. Then I'm then I'm exempt from this whole conversation. Right. Then there's HD TV, which is a separate issue. That has to do with the actual physical construction of your television. When you can look at somebody's nostrils and see all the hairs. So when I can when I can look at Lauren Graham and the Gilmore Girls in beautiful HD and see if she actually is as flawless in real life as I believe her to be. She's not. Don't say that. Why should you step on my dreams like mm. that? Then there's HD DVD. And Blu-ray DVD, which are much higher quality pictures on your DVD. That's where I'm jumping up here, because I don't know about that. Part. Okay, so here's... See, together, I think we know all of this. Okay. So there is regular DVD, like you got at home right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, like your, you know, your DVD of Ed Wood. And it's fine. I'm happy with it. It's fine. It's, but of course, but see, but that's the thing, is they're never... They're no longer content just to give you something that works. They will not let me be happy. No, they won't. And did you ever think about this? That these days, you kind of rent technology as opposed to buying it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, your grandmother probably bought a radio that lasted her her entire life. I know my grandmother did. My grandmother got one of those big-ass, like, Philco radios with a huge knob on the front of it and tubes. Lasted her, like, 70 years. Uh, Now, every time, you know, I bought... I've had one, two, three, four... I think I'm on my fourth MP3 player in a decade. Uh, And there wasn't anything wrong as such... With, with the other ones, it's just that they became outmoded. You did, they were no longer compatible with some of the things I needed them to do. Um, so you really rent your consumer electronics now. You buy them, and they're disposable, much right, more so than they ever have been. So, yeah, they won't let you get a format and just be happy with it. So now, here's the thing. So your regular DVDs are being replaced by a DVD with a much higher quality picture. There were two competing uh, companies for that, like with Betamax and VHS. There right. was HD and Blu-ray who I think were both competing to be the standard bearer for new super high-quality DVDs. I believe the winner of that is Blu-ray. So Blu-ray is like VHS. It is, it is become the, it's going to become the new type of DVD. So whoever bought these HD DVDs... They're screwed. Okay. That's like owning a Betamax, I believe. All right. I think the HD DVD is the Betamax of 2008. I still think they use Betamax on television. I, I should have asked Call Click that, because I think they use, still use that for television. Production. Well, you know, that's the thing. The irony there is, now I have turned into Bruce Eckler, the irony is that Betamax is higher quality. They just did a, a poor job of marketing it. So, now, then that leaves the final slice of this pie, which is everybody's favorite subject of discussion, HD radio. Uh, which is just, boy, you want to talk about something that the average person... I, look, I don't mean to knock well, my I, own I think if people have to think about it, their brain will explode. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. HD radio makes your head explode. Seriously. <laughs> well, I, even if I try to think, it's just too much. I, I, I can't use any more of it. I, I think if we were to go pull 100 people off the street right now, and I hate to knock my own industry, but if we were to grab 100 people off the street and say, explain to me HD radio, how many people out of 100 just off the street do you think could accurately explain what HD radio is? Nobody. Well, you, well, you know what? It's going to end up like AM stereo. Ah, uh, AM stereo. It's going to be the same thing. Same thing. All... People don't even remember it now. No. I mean, it's it, 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 not us, but wasn't KOTK in AM stereo? I believe so. I think we broadcast an AM stereo, a stereo at KOTK, but the problem is no one had an AM stereo receiver. Like, no one anywhere. So, um... Anyway, so HD radio is is just, that's going to be a whole, it's for fools. (laughs) (laughs) Scotty J, we're looking at you. All right. Jesus, God almighty. All right, I'm looking at these. Um, 
Well, I feel like I understand a little bit more than I did when we started. Do you really? Yes. Okay. The more you learn. Learn? No. <laughs> See, Malone. it's not just me. None of us can talk today. I feel like my whole brain and mouth feel a little fuzzy today. It's like I'm, I'm in a perfectly fine mood, but I don't feel like... I, it's like in the war, they talk about supplies not getting from the rear to the front line. Mm-hmm. Supplies are not getting from my head to my mouth today. There's some sort of a... The convoy is being interrupted. Somewhere between occipital lobe and my lips, there's some sort of an interruption in the service. Oh, here's what we got on hold. Somebody who wants to... A call that Richie has just described as funny, lol. Oh, no. Is it another, like, kooky bird name? Probably. Um, Richie, screen, honey, screen. Somebody who wants to do, quote, Tim talk. Someone who wants to talk about HD stuff. And former CBS account executive Alan Gabrowski. Let's do the most awkward one first. Let's get Alan on. Hi, Alan Gabrowski, one-time account executive for CBS. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing fine. Are you right next door? I am. I'm over at Comcast now. Missing some of that sweet, sweet money you brought our way. Absolutely. That's okay. Well, I was going to call and tell you guys, because I'm at Comcast, we have this discussion all the time about the new digital conversion. Yes. But if you actually have Comcast cable, you have a, one of the little boxes, a cable box, that acts as a converter in and of, in and of itself. You all right, don't so, have to buy it. Well, first of all, so are you, what are, you, are you working next door at Comcast? I am. So you're like 50 feet away from us right now. Yeah, I wave to Michael every day when I go to work. That's awkward. <laughs> so he may be sitting in our old studio. Well, he's and the Michael he's referring to is uh, was his boss when he when he uh, worked here. So yeah. that's both great and terrible. Well, let's move on from that section of the conversation. Um, so okay, so I've got Comcast Digital Cable. Yes. So w- when is something happening, and will I notice? You will not notice if you have Comcast Digital Cable Box. I think he's just trying to sell us anything. And, and it will be next year, by the way. It'll be next year, yes. but I have the box that sits on top of my entertainment center that mm-hmm. is the Comcast Digital Cable Box. So am I, is, am I going to have to do anything, or is this just going to sort of miraculously work itself out for me? It will miraculously work itself out. You'll be fine. That's fantastic. And Comcast, you do nothing. They take care of it all. <laughs> exactly. All right. And I, okay. So, actually, is there anything else I need to know about the whole, the whole, the whole thing? That is it. I just thought I'd call and uh, share you guys with share some information with you. What uh, channel is MSNBC? Yeah, that's a good question. Is why MSNBC, have they moved? Why, find it? why have they moved MSNBC, Alan, to like channel 540 or something? They well, they changed a whole bunch of stations. Like I think Oxygen and Bravo, they moved too. Yeah, but, but, but that, that's they, not the same category as MSNBC. But they put them way up there where I can't even find them anymore. Let me also ask you this. Here's here's a question. I it's like we somehow turned poor Alan, who's called and wanting to answer a question, we turned it into a tech support line. Let me ask you this question about my Comcast service. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, here's the thing. Sometimes, and I've had a TiVo uh, for years now, so let's not let's not do the standard tech support thing of blaming my TiVo, which is what I've learned a lot of people do. Like I've called, like when I had the Dish Network, I had the Dish Network, and I had it running through my TiVo. Everything was fine. Worked for like six months flawlessly. One day, the Dish Network starts acting up. I call Dish Network, and here's the thing. If you call Dish Network about this or anybody like that, if they ask you if you have a third-party product like a TiVo, lie and say you do not. Because otherwise, they'll go, well, that's probably the cause of it. So they'll always blame whatever is like attached to the TV that's not their product. Like, if you do you have a Super Nintendo hooked up to it? Yes, well, that's your problem right there, sir. So always lie and say that there's nothing else working. Sometimes my TiVo will go to record, like let's say, The Wire on HBO, and it'll go to channel 550, which is HBO, and it, it'll just cycle there for a second, 
and then it will decide that it can't get 550, and it'll just land on 552 instead. What's that about? I have no idea, but I do have a number, a special number I can talk to you off the air. And well, I can call in New Delhi, you. I'll, <laughs> I'll let you talk to Richie about that. I'll, I'll put you on hold, sir. Not a All problem. Right. Thank you, Alan. Bye. All right, best of luck in the new career. All right, there you go. Former, He's uh, knowledgeable about cable. CBS uh, radio account executive, uh, Alan Kabrowski. I like Alan. He's a good guy. All mm-hmm. right. Uh, He'll be back here soon enough. They all come back. They all come back. We all float. Here's uh, <laughs> Tim Riley on KCMD Portland. I can't remember what we were talking about before. It's the weirdest show today. Well, uh, Johnny Cash would have been 76 on the 26th of this month, and his children, John Carter Cash and Cindy Cash, We'll remember him at a birthday celebration at the Fender Center in Corona, California next weekend. The center is home to the exhibit Cash in American Icon, which, which features his clothes, instruments, handwritten lyrics, and other memorabilia. This is where? The EMP? Uh, this is, uh, let's see, the Fender Center in Corona, California. Oh, okay. So uh, the birthday event will include seminars along with questions and answers with the Carter family. A complete collection of gold and platinum awards representing about 90 million records sold will be unveiled during the celebration. This is back in the days when you sold a million records. Mm-hmm. So, that's that. Uh, then uh, Activision has unveiled a new Guitar Hero video game focusing on the rock and roll band, the Aerosmiths. They're uh, taking the billion-dollar franchise in a new direction. It's called Guitar Hero Aerosmith. The new game will arrive in stores this summer. A surprise to many analysts and fans who had expected the next title to come out closer to the year-end holiday shopping season. Now, is this just the same? I realize the folly of asking you this question, too. It features about 30 Aerosmith songs, as well as others from various acts that have opened for the band. Oh, so it is... Okay, so this is not just like um, a reissuing of Guitar Hero, like where they do like a collector's edition or some crap where it's just got different cover art or something. This is a different game. You will press... Colored buttons on a guitar-shaped controller in time with notes cascading down the screen. If the notes are hit, the songs play properly. The player owns, owns, uh, earns points. <laughs> they own some points. They own some points. <laughs> on, on the VIG. Or else you get the clamps. Uh, I am terrible at Guitar Hero. That's the thing. It's not even that I don't enjoy playing it. It's that I don't enjoy playing it because I suck so badly. It, it, guitar Hero is one of those games at which I perform so terribly that it's impossible for me to enjoy it. Like, if, like if there's a video game that I play like kind of well, like Halo's a good example of that. I play Halo all right. Sometimes I win, sometimes I lose, whatever. Uh, I enjoy that. Like, if I was just getting skunked every single game at Halo, I, I just don't think I could enjoy it. Who wants to play a game where you just get owned all day by a 12-year-old? So, the Guitar Hero, though, I just I eat at that game every time. And I always seem to be at a place playing Guitar Hero where Fat Boy is there from KUFO, and he's like some weird... He's like some some weird Rain Man business with that game. He's he's not right. He's, I mean, I sometimes question whether whether he actually um, he has some sort of unholy power at that. So that game is so frustrating me because I'm so terrible. I don't even want to play that Rock Band game, which I guess is great. But Rock Band would just be completely new and exciting ways for me to suck at a game like that. I'm going to skip that. That game includes drums and a microphone as well as a guitar. Each week, they're offering new songs that can be downloaded to consoles like Microsoft Corporation, Xbox 360, and Sony Corporation's PlayStation 3. The music industry is eyeing Guitar Hero and Rock Band as ways to revive flagging sales. Rock Band and Guitar Hero 3 both launched last fall. Together, they've sold millions of songs for about $2 via download. Whatever all that means. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Hello. Hey, Robert. Hi. Best show ever. Thank you. You know, you guys stress way too much about your about your television programming. Well, here's no, but here's the thing, sir. Without television, my life ceases to have meaning. All right, 
Let's just call it what it is. It's, I'm not going to pretend to be, be more sophisticated or worldly than I am. The television is my only friend in this world. So you can't that's take why, that away from me. You need, you need the most television you can possibly get. Yes. I mean, do you have, I mean, so, I mean, do you have a specific suggestion or? Well, you know, as long as you've got Comcast cable and you've got a digital box on each TV, you're fine. Yeah, and, I only, and we only have the one TV. I mean, as big a TV fan as I am, you know, we, we have a pretty small place, and it, and I won't, I, fly, I will not have a TV in the bedroom. That's like one of the things, I, and fortunately, my wife is the same way, but I laid that down early on in my life, you know? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, we can't have a TV in the bedroom. I just can't do that. Um, but, because um, for some reason, it's like, as soon as I picture a TV in the bedroom, then suddenly there's TV trays. And then suddenly, then suddenly, I just picture Sally Struthers and the Gilmore Girls in a bed covered with 15 different cats. So anyway, I got the TV, I got the TiVo uh, with the, with the burner inside, and then I got the and then I got the Comcast digital box on top. I, I think I'm set. Like I don't think I need anything else until the inevitable day when I decide to get the bigger TV, you know, the HD. Now, what can happen with your TiVo is that you may tell it to record something, uh-huh. and then you know when you look at your your guide on your TiVo, yes, sir. and it shows you uh, the names of all the programs. Mm-hmm. Underneath that is a number that the TiVo looks for, and if for some reason the programming that shows on that guide is not the actual programming that's going to come on at, at whatever time, mm-hmm. then your TiVo freaks out because it's not the correct thing can't record it is that true so if in other words so if the, the, whatever the 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 embedded like a like a meta tag or something in the show doesn't match what TiVo thinks it's supposed to be that's why it wigs out and goes to some other channel right right uh, it's so frustrating too because like because chan- in this case channel 550 which is HBO i get that channel i've recorded billions of things on it but occasionally i'll be like TiVo take you know it's like throwing a stick for your dog TiVo wire fetch and, and I'll come back in at around 6.30, ready to start watching The Wire from the beginning, and it will, it'll be on 5.54 instead, taping, you know, like, Nutty Professor 3. And I'm right. saying, well, it, why it, did it this just, happen? It just did, you know, it just did what it did because it did, couldn't do anything else. <laughs> That's the story of my life. You yeah. want to write that down and put it in a fortune cookie. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. Hey, you're so welcome. All right, there you go. Here's Tim Riley. Two fights broke out at area nightclubs right before 2 o'clock this morning. The first one happened at the New Copper Penny in Southeast. They don't have any information, but they think alcohol may be a factor. No. <laughs> really? Uh, several people hurt at a brawl at the Gold Coin Lounge. There, too, alcohol could have been a factor. Ten to twelve people were involved in a fight. No names are taken. Not that it matters. So that's that. Oh, who wouldn't want this? President Bush plans to back John McCain. That'll really put him over the top. What do we have? I guess we have to talk about this. Uh, that, uh... Oh, is this the shooting guy? Yeah. yeah. I'll make it quick. So this is about the shooting guy. So uh, you know Susan Reynolds went to that college. Oh, she did? Mm-hmm. So apparently uh, six people got killed and a whole bunch of others injured. Uh, the police chief there says officers rushed there as soon as they could, but apparently it was just too late. This event started at 3.06 yesterday afternoon. By 3.06 and 29, there were two NIU police officers already in the area of the scene. A minute and a half later, there were another eight police officers on the scene, and the response was immediate, and they went in immediately. So this kid, uh, apparently, entered with a shotgun in a guitar case from a door used only by maintenance personnel and just opened fire from the stage. As soon as he fired the first shot, everybody either started running, we dropped to the ground, started crawling on our stomachs to the back of the classroom where the entrances are. 
Uh, what does say the government's face showed no emotion at all? It was very emotionless. From what I remember, as soon as he stepped in the door to when he started opening fire, his expression did not change. So that's all you're getting. Well, there you go. Another uh, nutcase embittered white guy, no doubt. Yeah. Right. So he was off his meds. Yes. Do you think? <laughs> I think that might have gone without saying. The killers seemed angry. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Uh, so Hillary Clinton made a campaign stop this morning in Cincinnati. She told listeners at a local restaurant that they have a choice to make. This primary Vote for election me or I'll have you killed. offers a very big choice to the voters of Ohio. You can choose speeches or solutions. You can choose talk or action. Oh, that's loud. I choose talking speeches. Uh, you? I just I don't know. You know, it's going to be a photo finish with those two. I really don't know. I mean, it's 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 tempting to say that it's Obama because he has so much momentum behind him, and the media loves him, so that means he's going to be elected. The media the media really does like him. There's pressure on the super delegates to to line up behind Obama, regardless of what you know what other external pressures, but. Boy, I don't know. I just I do have this feeling because you know no one will say uh, and I'm not criticizing this. I'm just saying there is almost like this ad that Hillary just started running, which isn't even that negative. She's just basically saying that he's all, you know, that he's like he's a lot of puffery as they say in in the advertising world. Um I mean, I don't think people have really stopped to think about how weird this campaign year has been on the Democratic side in that there have been, there's been no negativity, no attack ads really to speak of. I mean, I mean, do we not all remember like how every political season just degenerates into like fist fights and mudslinging and just slings and arrows and whatever? Yeah. Um. And so it's really weird that that hasn't happened this year. Uh, I mean, at least toward Obama. I mean, Hillary is just sort of a constant punching bag by by the right and by people within her own party. But that guy has this golden glow around him that no one wants to be the first person to take a shot at him. But I just I can't avoid this feeling. That there is somebody just waiting out there, uh, and I I don't mean physically speaking, but I mean that there is somebody out there, some ad campaign, some strategist, there's an ad sitting in a can somewhere, and as soon as he gets the nomination, they're just going to bury him. I just, I can't avoid that, that sensation in my gut. And that's the thing about Hillary Clinton is she's just, I mean, there's just nothing you can say about her at this point. I mean, she is indestructible. Um, and I, I don't know that that's the case with Obama. I really do. I do have the feeling that there is just a, a just a trail of breadcrumbs being laid for that guy, and that they're just they're just going to crush him politically uh, as soon as he gets the nomination. I mean, I hope that doesn't happen, but I I do feel like it might. Uh, Mike Huckabee says he's not quitting because he refuses to pay attention to numbers. What I'm doing it for is because the people out here want a voice. If I pull out, then the people in Wisconsin don't matter anymore. Neither do the people in Texas, Pennsylvania, Ohio. Are they not Americans? Do they not get to vote? What is an election if we don't actually take a vote? Mm -hmm. Hey, have you considered this, Tim? What else is he supposed to do? That Obama has omentum. Oh, I like that, too. Omentum. Mm -hmm. That's sent to us by uh, some guy. Anyway, so there you go. Omentum. Here's Omentum. A, Omentum. Let's go to Utah for this story. Can we please? Uh, State Senator Chris Butters is in hot water for stirring up more controversy. No, I can't do a Butters voice. Uh, let's see. He has a long-standing reputation for making inflammatory statements of the legislature, but his recent attacks on the gay and lesbian community, immigrants, and African Americans have led for calls for him to resign. Leading the call is the NAA Saltwater City Chapter President, Janetta Williams, who condemns Butters' latest attack. Senator Butters, in a debate on school funding, said the measure was, quote, This baby is black. It is a dark and ugly thing. What? What? This baby is black. It is a dark and ugly thing. Let me stop for a moment. 
Unquote. This it, is Mr. Butters. Okay. Here's, let me just, let's, first of all, A, it was hard for me to wrap my brain around the story to begin with because every time he said Butters, but, I, of course, kept picturing the character of Butters on South Park. But I wasn't just picturing him as Butters. I was picturing the character of Butters on South Park dressed as Professor Chaos, mm-hmm. where he's got, like, the, uh, the aluminum, like, the tinfoil hat on his head. I am Professor Chaos! Or whatever, however it is he talks. All right. So this is, so who is this person? He is a senator from uh, Utah. And he said what? Uh, he was talking about, let's see, uh, a debate on school funding. He said the measure is, quote, this baby is black. It is a dark and ugly thing. I hate to return to the whole conversation with Lisa Desjardins. Is he speaking in metaphors? I suppose The school so, system yeah. is a black baby? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. He's turned into the, he's turned into the, uh, into the general from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So some people are mad at him. The well, Republicans are a walnut. And left a message for him that I'm uh, willing to sit down with him and uh, help him to uh, come along and to do things in a better way. That offer holds, and I would make it as a public offer as well as uh, to him and anybody else who needs it. You know, there's people... So somebody calling himself a leader of something or other. Just need to be kicked out to see it on ice flow. Jesus. Well, now that the writer's strike is over, the 88th Annual Academy Awards will go on as hoped with Hollywood's biggest stars in attendance. That is the message at a Beverly Hills press conference. Uh, Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences President Sid Gannis said, now that the writers are back in the fold, everybody's working to give viewers the Oscar show they've come to expect. Presenters are getting ready to present. The nominees, short of anybody who just can't be there, will be there. The writers are writing furiously. Somehow expected a little bit more. I was just going to say, I don't even care I at this point. I mean, I'll, maybe I'll watch, maybe I won't. Uh, maybe you're not counting birds. I'm not out back looking for yellow-bellied sapsuckers. Um, but I think it's like the Grammys. You said this is the third least watched Grammys in history. I'm making a call right now that this, this Oscars is going to be in the bottom ten of all time. You mark my words, this will be in the bottom ten least watched Oscars ever. Uh, maybe next year will be back to normal, but I think people have just... I, I think, I mean, I'm glad the writer's strike is, is over, and I'm glad the writers are getting a little bit. They got half of what they wanted, I guess. They wanted 4%, and they got 2 And I'm glad they got that, because the studios yeah. were sticking it to them. But I got a feeling that this just didn't... I have the feeling that everybody, both the studios and the writers, thought, well, once Americans see what life is like without new television, they'll all... They'll demand that we strike it. But I don't think Americans cared. I think the strike happened, and I think the average American went, well, whatever. And then which, like, went back to watching, like, DVDs of the Dukes of Hazard or something. But they so. did care in SoCal. Because they put a lot no. of people out of work. Well, that's it. That, they, that's a different world. Yeah. They cared. They were, they lost, God, what did we say? That Billions. They, it was one and a half billion dollars. And that was, but it was something like where 80% of that was actually ancillary uh, stuff. It was like, uh, you know, um, caterers and gaffers and electricians. And uh, most of it wasn't even the actual studio dollars. So, all right. Uh, Democratic Senator Mary Landrov, Louisiana, is uh, very upset that we're giving uh, FEMA victims uh, trailers that kill them. They have a high level of uh, toxic formaldehyde. She said uh, it's a very bad thing that the government is doing. They not only will not reimburse people who have already built houses so they could get out of trailers and get back in their homes, they won't develop plans to build any new housing for seniors or low-income or workforce, and now they don't know whether to tell people to get out of trailers or not. This is such gross incompetence what else do you expect really really and hello hi you're on the rick emerson show is it me yes it is <laughs> oh boy well you know rick i appreciate your show because you you push the envelope so much you know in everything you do 
Is let me ask you this right now. Mm -hmm. Are you leading up to some sort of double entendre or a euphemism or pun? Well, I always am, but is it going to be a kooky bird name? Is this going to be the uh, yeah zany a name of some sort of fowl? No, it's not going to be a foul name. No, you... Okay. Oh, boy. Is this going to be something I have to bleep? Probably not. So I'll see you next Thursday. Bye. Thanks. What happens on Thursday? <laughs> Jane Fonda's coming in. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, how can I help you? <laughs> well, um, this is Sue, and in our office this morning, one of the gals was surfing the web looking at knives and stuff, and she ran across something that when I saw it, I just thought of you, and it was a Hillary Clinton. All right, let's back up to the woman you work with surfing for knives. Yeah, on the Internet, you know. Yeah, no, I know what the Internet is. What kind of work do you do, Sue? Oh, please don't make me tell you, you that. Have to, you don't have to tell me the company, but what is the general nature of your work? Um, I tell people where to go. I don't know what that means. Are you a taxi dispatcher? Um, no. Actually, I tell rail operators where to go. Okay. All right. Fair um... enough. Okay. But are they not given a choice? Don't they have to ride on the rail? That's a good question. Who, what, what really? That's their limited options. I would say that their choices would be rather finite. It's like yeah, really on being on that Autopia ride at Disneyland. But they need to know which one to get on because there are many, many trains out there, right? That, that is true. And can I interject a little something? Can I say this? That I know that these things work because obviously they work, but I don't understand how those little things in the middle of the uh, train tracks where it's like there's the two tracks and then there's the third one in the middle that can switch, go back and forth, and can yeah. shunt shunt the trains onto another track. Those things just seem like they shouldn't work. It seems like those other derailed trains. I don't really know how they operate. Okay, so a woman that you work with was surfing the Internet looking for knives. Correct. How disturbing uh, was that to you on a scale of one to five? Not disturbing at all. It was hilarious with what she actually found. All right, what did she find? She found a Hillary Clinton nutcracker. Okay, that is, I didn't, I shouldn't have laughed at that. But I really wasn't expecting you to say that, and that did catch me by surprise. That is a little bit funny. Are you? Uh, is she going to be purchasing that? I uh, know, but when I saw it, I thought of you. <laughs> that's that's the good part. Well, thanks, thanks so much. Thank you, Sue. Thank you, Rick. Bye. Right, oh, there are a whole go. bunch of them here. Hillary Clinton nutcracker. Twenty-seven ninety-nine at Overstock.com. Let me see if I can find one for you. Thanks so much. You always know just what to get, Tim. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick, you guys were talking about TV, but it reminded me of my famous or uh, favorite Homer Simpson uh, quote. I grew up on TV, and I turned out TV. But anyway, <laughs> I called because... Uh, Next, there's another one where, t where Homer's, ah, uh, TV, sister, mother, secret, secret lover. Secret lover. <laughs> my favorite program. Uh, I did some bird watching in high school, and I did actually come across a rosy-breasted bed thrasher. That's it. Out. So this overall rating out of five is four point seven for the Hillary Nutcracker. It was fifty nine ninety nine, now twenty seven ninety nine. Really, that's never a good sign. And right next to it, it has the uh, the Chihuahua taco holder, fifty three percent off. I bleep myself yeah, you there. Better bleep <laughs> I better bleep myself. I that, cannot believe that you just. That, said that was legitimately funny, but I should bleep myself just there. Putting up between legs. Or squeeze. <laughs> Okay. With what? 
the Hillary Nutcracker. It has instructions. It says, put nut between legs and squeeze. It's very durable. Everyone will enjoy it, it says here. Uh-huh. You know what they really ought to make? And I know this is a horribly tacky item, but I'm surprised they haven't. I don't know. I'm surprised they haven't made, like if they've got the Hillary Clinton nutcracker there that, the, the, with that overstock, I'm surprised they don't sell either a Bill Clinton or Monica Lewinsky cigar cutter. Doesn't mm. that thing? But the thing is, okay, can I just say, obviously, and I'm, I, I'm just saying I know what idiot Americans would buy. Obviously, you make a Monica Lewinsky cigar cutter, and obviously the deal is the cigar goes into her mouth, and then you squeeze, snips off the end. Come on, you know that you know that idiots would buy that. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm not saying I would own it, but I'm saying if I wanted to get money out of out of morons, that's exactly what I'd start selling. But you sell them together, because then there'd be some guy who listens to a Glenn Beck who would buy them both in a gift pack. Really? Can oh, I buy both at once for one low price? Is that that loudmouth guy that's on TV? He's the guy that was. He put that nutcase video on YouTube where I was floating down a tunnel and I I saw white lights and then it, you know yeah. It, it, weird. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. News for ladies: five signs that she's into you. She tilts her head. She takes a sip when you take a sip. She twirls her hair. She gets a glow and her pupils dilate. From where so is this? Is for ladies? From ladies? Uh, let's see here. Where this is, is this from? Uh, this is from dating and personals on MSN. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I was always told is this. You know, I was always told is this. What I would. <laughs> I always play with my hair. It's not because I'm attracted. Do your to pupils dilate? I do not know. Here's what I was always told. I uh, I remember reading once that if you were in like a bar or a restaurant or whatever, and you if there was a girl there and you thought she might be checking you out, and you wanted to be sure, guys, you can use this, if you wanted to see if she really was checking you out, I saw a psychologist one time who said, so you're sitting here, she's maybe a couple tables away, you're like, I think that girl might be looking at me. The deal is, look at your watch to see what time it is. Because they said if she is checking you out, almost every time, she will instinctively look at her watch. What if you don't have watches? I, well, I'm, I don't like know. Like cell phone, maybe? I, I guess you're Ooh, I'm going to experiment with maybe, that. But, tonight. you know, checking the time somehow. So, but this guy. Both ways, or was it just? I think it goes both ways. They said it's like a human. It is human nature that if someone checks their watch or checks the time, you do it as well. So, if you want to know if somebody is kind of scoping you out, look at your watch, yourself, and whatever. And then if they do it too, that means that they have been keeping an eye on you. So, there you go. Little, uh, I'll teach you Bibles full of truth. When a woman sees and feels especially comfortable with a man, she will tilt her head. See, but this is to all the right, crap. to the you left, know, they, and then down. They say this stuff, and then it, and the guys believe that it's true. And that's when the guy ends up getting like a fist in the face because well she was touching my forearm you know or she whatever. She with her hair and her head was tilted. <laughs> she picked her. I thought she, it was a go. She picked her left incisor. I thought she wanted me. <laughs> I thought it was on. Tilting your head. Those like, seem really like a dog. If she doesn't like you, she will cross her arms. She will put a bag between you and her. <laughs> that's true. And she'll stroke her neck. She'll put a bag. Be- <laughs> she'll put a bag between you and her. That's what it says. That's, that's totally true. Also a door. If you're not interested in somebody, you do put an obstacle between the two of you. Like a the sort of a, a railroad tie. Well, you know, you and yeah, I. Like I'll put like my make sure my like I'll put my sweatshirt on the table or a purse. In the other chair, if you do that, where you put like a bag or your coat or something in the other chair. Like if you're at a bar or something, and there's like you're at a table or there's a chair next to you, you'll put your coat. Not over the back of the chair, but like literally folded up on like the ass of the chair so that somebody can't sit next to you. So it either looks like you are 
you know, you're either there with somebody or you just want to be left alone. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, we've all talked about how I think all of us have learned how to avoid a hug from people who might want to hug us. Where you sort of like you shake your you shake hands, but then you turn your body <laughs> perpendicular to them, so it's like they or can't get in for the hug. Their, I found that this one works too. Shake um, their hand with your left hand, and it always catches them. Oh, off guard. that's true, because then they can. Because a lot of people to, they're like mentally preparing for the hug, but if you like stick out your left hand, they have to start thinking about like oh. Okay, and a lot of times hand. people will do the handshake, and then they use and guys especially do this. Ever since guys about Which twelve, one? yeah, and guys developed about twelve years ago that weird thing. Not a hug, but it's the like the hit in the back, you know what I'm talking about, where mm-hmm. guys will shake hands, and then it's like they put their right shoulders together, and they go bump, 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 bump. And they pound each other on the back like they're giving each other Heimlichs. Um, so, yeah, so guys use the handshake as like an intermediary step between hello and pulling for the hug. So, if you, yeah, you go with the left hand, it's going to throw them off their game. The whole thing's going to be uh, screwed, it, screwed up. So, all right, duly noted. What helpful. else, Tim? That's helpful information. Is that it, Tim? Those are all the tips? That's it. There are only five. There are only five ways to, to uh, five things to look for. So wait, there are. So no, like having a decent conversation with anybody. Giving you her phone number. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So this is she touches her hair. She tilts her head. What were the other three? Now I don't even rem- remember. Oh, she uh, strokes her neck. No, that was when she didn't like you. That's oh. when she doesn't like you. Oh, but that would seem like neck? more of a. What does that even mean, <laughs> stroking your neck? <laughs> Makes sense. And I would think that that meant a girl uh, liked you if she was it sort of like. I'm stroking an invisible beard. <laughs> <laughs> like, how are you? How do you do that? So like stroking an invisible man <laughs> in an invisible boat. Oh my God, you are. I'm you just saying. Drunk yourself again. What is wrong with you today? No, I'm saying. You know, here's Tim Riley. A woman who was seven months pregnant is accused of smashing a beer bottle over a bartender's head after she was refused service. <laughs> Wonderful. A Kashera Akram. Abercrombie assaulted the female bartender after being told she shouldn't be drinking alcohol while pregnant. She smashed a glass over the bartender's ear and head. The bartender's ear was partially detached. A surgeon used two staples and 28 stitches to reattack it. Uh, she's been to reattack it. I reattach it. Oh, jeez. Coming here to get this fixed. No! (laughs) She's been charged with aggravated assault, simple assault, harassment, and reckless endangerment. Uh, the Beaver County Court uh, put her on $25,000 bail and hauled her away. We have a whole bunch of Chinese acrobats stranded in the shelter. What to do with them? They're in Texas, too. A team of 16 young Chinese acrobats arrived here ready to dazzle Americans with their backflips, cartwheels, and human pyramids. But their tour began with two nights in a homeless shelter. A mysterious circus promoter from Wisconsin failed to meet the performers when they arrived uh, at the Dallas Fort Worth International Airport. Also, maybe these are mail-order Chinese acrobats. The promoter that only gave his, his first name was Gary said he ran out of money and needed someone to pick up the acrobats. They range in age from 13 to 20. He sounded desperate, no doubt. Uh, shelter workers arrived at the airport in three vans, and they finally found them, 18 of them, uh, 16 acrobats and two adults. They broke the language barrier by saying acrobat. And uh, they rounded them up and put them in a homeless shelter. Now, what to do with all these homeless Chinese acrobats? You didn't even care, did you? It's not that I didn't care. I just, I don't even know what I can what I, I can add to, to this story. That. Really, what am I really? That's one of those that's one of those frustrating stories where it seems like there's a whole sitcom in there. Mm-hmm. But you know, Chinese acrobats stuck in a Texas homeless shelter. But damned if I know what to do with it. Uh, they were taken to McDonald's where they were bought grilled chicken. Uh, the troupe put on a show for reporters tossing straw hats like boomerangs and performing acrobatic moves with ease. They also uh, really didn't care about their situation, saying it was status quo for circus performers. 
They planned a 10-month tour in the U.S. They said through a translator. They're looking forward to possible performances in Wisconsin. Uh, they have confidence that they can find somebody back up a U.S. tour. They're used to waiting. They are from China. Uh, nobody was trying to do this uh, shipfully. They were trying to do something nice, not something dastardly. Let me understand this, since we now seem... Is it 1.30 and I've had no additional <laughs> caffeine? Mm-hmm. Oh, my Please God. Don't. No wonder my brain is turning it off slowly. You're doing great. How is it... Let, let me... Since I guess we're pot committed to discussing this story now, so let me just dive in, I guess. The Chinese... Acrobat. How did they arrive they here? They performed for McDonald's food. <laughs> Where, Basically. How did they, they get here? Chicken. Did they come here legally? They were brought here by, uh, a, apparently, a mysterious circus promoter from Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> a mysterious circus promoter from Wisconsin? I mean, well, nobody came to get them. That was the problem. Apparently, no, no, no. How did they get here? They were flown here from China. But, I mean, they must have had visas or something. I don't know how they picked them up. Yeah, they didn't just fold themselves into an origami crate. It said the mysterious circus promoter from Wisconsin. The mysterious <laughs> circus promoter. That's going to be my new job title. <laughs> like in my head, he totally looks like Krusty the Clown with a taunt, like not the, uh, not the, the uh, Lone Ranger mask on. Well, apparently, he called someone to say that he ran out of money and could not pick up the Chinese acrobats. He sounded desperate, no doubt. It seems to be poor planning more than anything else. Where, where do you go online to have Chinese acrobats just sent to you? Is that a thing we could do? Do we just have them have them shipped to the studio? Well, you can call the homeless shelter. Maybe we can use them for a listing. All right, I can't do anything with this story. I've tried. I've tried. I've given it. I've given it a yeoman's effort here, and there's just uh, there's nothing I can make out of this. And apparently, the trailers that they were supposed to stay in never <laughs> arrived in Texas because of recent snowfalls in the Midwest. They're all they're all housing uh, Katrina victims. So, for now, they uh, also put them on a ranch near Dallas. Okay. So, they're uh, warm and they're getting fed chicken. Uh-huh. And they're happy for the moment. Okay. Let's put that in the don't revisit pile. <laughs> put that in the do once pile. Another story from Texas. Okay. A driver who apparently... <laughs> Are you aware that we're doing a radio show here? Yes. He's having a snack and a cup of coffee. I know, he's really kooky. I'm making my... I do this every day. I'm getting additional coffee. Okay, fine. I do this every day around this time. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. You're crazy! A driver who oh, apparently Rick. took her work very seriously abandoned a bus work a bus full of former prisoners along a highway because her hours for the day were over. <laughs> the 40 passengers had been paroled and released from the state prison in Huntsville, and they were wearing ankle bracelet monitors. They were aboard a charter bus that was heading to a terminal in Dallas, but wound up 60 miles short. A police said the bus was chartered from a Greyhound. The driver pulled over in front of a convenience store around 4 and told the passengers, her allotted driving time was up and another driver was on the way. Excellent. A clerk at the convenience store called police. Police arrived to find the former prisoners milling around the bus. Dispatchers exchanged several phone calls with Greyhound and prison officials, where two other officers stayed with the bus and the passengers. Just before 7 o'clock, a second bus arrived with three drivers, including the one who abandoned the passengers the first time. A Greyhound says it's a very serious matter. But the drivers do have to follow strict guidelines and consecutive working hours and rest periods. There were no incidents involving the passengers and prisoners. While they were stranded, their behavior was very good. Um, have you seen, uh, and I meant to get to this earlier, this CNN clip of... This it's hard to explain. I heard Court and Fatboy talking about this the other day, uh, and then a listener sent it to me this morning. It is a woman whose uh, I believe it was a ceramic Jesus was kidnapped from her front yard, and then a ransom note was left behind. Did you see the story? 
That's an old story. It was, uh, I hadn't really ever heard it until I heard, uh, uh, it was around Christmas. I heard Court and Fatboy talking about it just the other day, and I must have missed it originally. So my apologies, people have already heard this. But I guess the deal is, did I, but did we have the audio? Yes, I think we Where did. they're reading the ransom note yeah. about Wiener Poopy? Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you remember this, Sarah? Uh-uh. I do. And you did it. That doesn't seem possible. I think I'd remember this story. Bless you. Bless you. We do millions of stories every day. You're not going to remember all of them. Well, all equally zany. I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm gonna, that's, we're 99 and 44% zany each day. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to play a little bit of this again, see if it, see if it becomes familiar. But this is from CNN, uh, yeah, by the way. Sitting on that cement right there. For about a year, Gene Mansell had... Imagine, by the way, being the CNN reporter who has to read the copy in this news story. So this is this woman who had a cement Jesus stolen from in front of her house. It was sitting on that cement right there. For about a year, Jean Mansell has cherished her cement Jesus statue, an heirloom from her late uncle. There was footprints behind it and footprints in front of it. But Thursday morning, Jean walked outside only to find that Jesus was gone. My husband got a phone call in a real graspy voice over the phone. A graspy voice, incidentally. I do love the fact that the story contains the phrase, only to find that Jesus was gone. Jesus was here just a second ago. Have you seen Jesus? He was just standing over there. Saying, check your mailbox. In the mailbox, a ransom note. The note basically said they were holding Jesus for ransom. The note reads, we are holding Jesus' ransom until you clean up the poopy from your wieners and trust us, we see you take your wieners for long walks without picking up their poopy in our yards. <laughs> oh, yeah. Win. <laughs> How great is that? Apparently she has some dachshunds, uh, after which she does not clean up. So they took Jesus hostage because she won't clean up after her dachshunds. I let's, think that's reasonable. Let's, let's hear the same thing. <laughs> let's hear that ransom note one more time, shall we? Oh, man. Oh, oh, to have been there in the studio when this reporter had to tape this voiceover. Oh, in the mailbox, a ransom note. The note basically said they were holding Jesus for ransom. The note reads, we are holding Jesus' ransom until you clean up the poopy from your wieners and trust us, we see you take your wieners for long walks without picking up their poopy in our yard. This is upsetting, so please clean up all the wiener poopy if you want to see Jesus unharmed. It has to be. A... I mean, oh, that's the most surreal, that's the most surreal pairing of sentences I've ever heard in my life. The fact that you would hear Jesus, Wiener, and Poopy about a hundred times together in the same three-sentence structure, that really is what makes this job worthwhile. Oh, we're not done, though. A young person, because they put these little lines next to the... The best part, and Fatboy pointed this out, this is not my observation, but it's great, it's that she does that movie uh, delivery thing where she repeats the tagline twice, you know, where they, uh, like somebody, like in the movies, a guy will come home and... And, uh, you know, like his wife has left him or something, and there's just a note. And the, the guy's telling the story to his friend. He goes, and I came home, and she was just gone. She was just gone. They say the line twice to give it. She does that at the end of the story. Word Jesus. No adult's going to waste their time doing that. And referring to wien, wiener poopy. <laughs> My gosh. Jean has four wiener dogs and admits there was a complaint last year about their leavings, but says she's cleaned up every pile since. I take my dogs for a walk, 
I carry a plastic bag with me, and I, I pick up anything that they do. Okay, so here comes here comes the great double delivery of the oh, line. No. Jean just wants her statue back and says she won't press charges if Jesus isn't harmed. And I thought, my gosh, something like that's going to be safe in your yard. It wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, that's excellent. That's the best story of the week right there. That's enough to bring a tear to anyone's eye. I suppose, Tim. All right, take a break. Back after this, uh, if you're on hold, uh, hang tight. We'll uh, do more of your calls around the corner. Later on, Scott Daly with a review of George Romero's Diary of the Dead. And uh, we might get to this uh, It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. There goes the last DJ who plays what he wants to play. Says... All right, I knew I was right about this. Thrush. An oral yeast infection. Ew. There you go. And a bird? And a bird. And also a bird. All right. You know what they say? A thrush in the hand. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, let's take these telephone calls, shall we? And then more news from Timothy Riley. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hello. Hi. Uh, it's Randy in Vegas. What's up? Hi, hey, uh, what's up in your fair city, you know? Uh, Sarah and I, uh, not together, but Sarah and I are both going to Vegas. And then, you're not going to Vegas, are you, Tim? Going to California? Go to L.A. Going to California with an Aiken in his heart. Uh, so, uh, but Sarah's going to Vegas in April. I'm going to Vegas in March. Well, uh, you're staying with Yale Cortez, right? Yeah, yes, I am. Yes, Classy. I am. Proudly. Yeah, no, no, it's filthy down there, but... Uh, <laughs> no, it's disgusting. A... No, it's it's horrible. <laughs> uh, but it's, but here's the thing. I, I feel like my wife and I have gotten so much entertainment value by walking by the El Cortez and looking at it and making fun of it. And then I come back. Here's how much here's how much of a fan of the El Cortez I've been. Um, we, the last time we were in Vegas, which has been a few years... Um, I bought like an El Cortez keychain, which and it was a one dollar. It was a one dollar. I'm all kinds of classy, Tim. It was a one dollar chip with that guy. I forget his name, but he was like Mr. Cortez, the guy who owned it. He looked yeah. like he looked like Uncle Junior from The Sopranos, right. and it was his face on a one dollar chip in like a bad simulated gold frame around the chip, and then like a gold thing that clasped under your keychain. Um, and the, the keychain broke like two hours after I bought it. I paid, I paid $5 for it, and it just disintegrated in my pocket. Um, but we played um, we played blackjack there for a while, and I got such j good material out of just being in the casino at the El Cortez. I feel now the least I can do is to actually, I sound like John Cusack in 1408, the least I can do is spend the night there and tell the tale. So they, I owe them that. Well, you know that uh, the El Cortez was built in about 1942, mm -hmm. so it's actually the oldest uh, one they haven't torn down yet in Vegas. Is that true? Is it the oldest existing Vegas hotel? Yes, it is. There it you is go. Actually... Living history. Yeah, uh, I was gonna. Uh, by the way, you can get one of those keychains just by signing up for the card or whatever. Just yeah, sign up for that El Cortez rewards card. Yeah. I was gonna ask you uh, that whole. Uh, and I just came in on the end of this uh, poopy thing. Did a uh, 
did where did that take place? Um, I think it was in Wisconsin, but I might be wrong about that. It was Wisconsin. Okay. Uh, I'll look at WZZM. Tim, do you know where WZZM might be? No, never heard of it. All right. Well, we'll, we'll find out. That uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm not exactly sure where at the. Oh no, Oakfield. Let's see, Oakfield Township, Minnesota. Minnesota. No, I'm sorry, Michigan. What's MI? It's all the same thing. That's Michigan. 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 What's What's Minnesota? MN. MN. Okay, so there you go, Michigan. They're really the yeah, same I, place. Minnesota's freezing. Uh, I. Uh, no, if this were a Law and Order episode, as all things should be. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I I think that they would find this woman had stolen her own Jesus, and uh, for publicity or ransom money or something. Sort of a Munchausen by proxy, but using our Savior. Yeah, and it's it's just basically that's the way it would work out. Uh, the last thing about about Vegas I was going to mention to you. Oh, by the way, Come by the way, David, let's uh, move move it forward, sir. Moving forward, Strawberry Crush. Yes, I used to enjoy a Strawberry Crush each night after work with corn dogs, and it was the most fantastic beverage ever. Excellent. Thank you, Randy. Hey, one thing. Yeah. One thing. Uh, yeah, uh, no, no, sorry. All right. That's Randy in uh, Vegas. All right. We had to move on. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, Tim. Riley. And now, wow. from the Ministry of Truth. That call was like a slow leak in a tire. <laughs> well, here's something you'll be tremendously excited about. Really? Do I need to sit down first? Perhaps so. All right. It's a tremendous double bill. As the police in Elvis Costello are coming to Clark County. Let me stand back up. Uh, July 11th. Hooray. To where? Uh, the amphitheater in Clark County. Well, everybody have fun. All right. I mean, I just, I'm not, I can't, whatever. And, it's, and tickets are $150 for that thing. $150? I only you know see somebody in Clark County? I only, <laughs> if I'm going to pay $150 to see somebody in Clark County, uh, that better be a, a twice in one hour kind of meeting. I mean, really, honestly. The No, Sneathan sent me a thing about it. He's like, hey, the police are coming. And then he sent me another thing about three minutes later. He's like, F that, it's $150. I mean, I like Elvis Costello just fine. First of all, that's the wrong place to see Elvis Costello. Um, Elvis Costello, he's just, Elvis Costello is like a Baghdad kind of guy. Mm. Maybe, maybe like the Schnitzer. That's the where you see Elvis Costello. Elvis Costello, like an outdoor Vancouver amphitheater where people are throwing Frisbees. That just seems like a bad idea. Um, and I just don't care about the police. I don't know anybody who loves the police enough to pay $150 to see them. I mean, that's like, to me, that's like paying $150 to see the spin doctors. That seems I just, unnecessarily greedy at this point in really time. It really does. I mean, you're better off sitting at home counting birds. Yeah, that really is true. All right. A man tried to run over and kill his girlfriend on Valentine's Day. Uh, it all began with an argument. And apparently, uh, oh my goodness, uh, his girlfriend, uh, he ran her over and struck and killed her. And then she was hit by oncoming traffic in Harris <gasps> County. Wow, did this, where was this? Houston, most well, Texas. Oh, that's Texas. Uh, right right across Interstate 45. The 25-year-old man was wanted on charges of aggravated assault with a vehicle. He tried to run over his girlfriend in an apartment complex. Wait, so, hold on. So they're having an argument in the apartment complex. He runs her over? Yeah. Okay, and then who runs into traffic? Let's see here. Uh, apparently, the man made it across a street, and deputies moved in. Meanwhile, a cleaning lady at a nearby car dealership saw a man hiding behind cars. As soon as he saw the deputies coming, he started running across the freeway, and obviously he didn't make it. Oh, oh so he, he was, was killed. killed. Oh, excellent. Okay. He was killed. Now, was she dead also? It doesn't say. The that. girlfriend? He tried to run her over. Oh, so he didn't succeed? No. Oh, so everything worked out fine. So she's alive and he's dead. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. That's exactly how a Valentine's Day story should read. Uh, let's see. The medical examiner's office uh, collected 
The man's oh body. We like that he's leaving. Twisted on the pavement <laughs> near the medium barrier. See, isn't it amazing how one little change in the story renders things that would otherwise be depressing and horrible into so things that are gleeful? So he starts running across the freeway. A white suburban hits him first. <laughs> the implant. It, it knocks his sneakers off. Ding, 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 ding. Knocks ding. his sneakers off and throws him sneakers. about 100 feet before he is struck a second time by a gray sports car. <laughs> so he ran over his girlfriend and the intern was run over. He didn't even and get killed. to run her over, apparently. Apparently no. he tried to run her over. Mm-hmm. It, that didn't work out. And then he decides, screw this, gets out of the car, runs. So did the girl die? No, no. no that's the thing. Is okay. He tried to hit her and didn't. But then he figured the cops are going to be on him. So he decided to flee into the onto the highway on foot where he was hit by multiple cars and killed his twisted body laying near the embankment. Ah, okay. Well, they did their best to collect everything involved. (laughs) I wonder at what point you give up. Do you know what I mean? Like, because we've talked about this before, that we always see the one shoe by the side of the road. You know, the cops must see that. I wonder if the cops leave that one shoe there as a warning to others. Like, if the cops leave that there just to sort of, you know, sort of remind others not not to color outside the lines. All right. I would imagine. I can't imagine they tried very hard to pick up all of his various bits. I mean, screw that guy. Wonderful. So there. So there. He got what he deserved. Indeed. Time for Geek Watch. Here's your Geek Watch for Friday on the Rick Emerson Show. Ugh, this high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar Dilemma, remember, you used just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Just listen on there there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. The Star Wars universe, already substantially rendered by computer and generated imagery, is giving way to all animation. It's Star Wars The Clone Wars. Yeah. It's an animated cartoon. It opens in the theaters on October, August 15th. It's said to be followed by a TV series of the same name, and it's going to be on the Cartoon Network and TNT this fall. I felt there was a lot more to George Luke. Oh, no. Who would have thought this? <laughs> It's easy to tell something uh, through animation and at the same time push the animation forward. It's produced by Lucasfilm Animation. Of Both course the it film is. and TV show will be distributed through Time Warner, which owns the Cartoon Network and Warner Brothers. Lucas, who serves as the executive producer, is also planning a live-action television series spin-off of the franchise. Oh, jeez. Which began uh, last fall. The animated series has long been in the works, though the theatrical release was only announced late Tuesday. I just don't care. The post office tried to give me some Star Wars stamps and they said, no, 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 keep them. <laughs> I'll take speedboats instead. Is that what you, what were you, those were your only two options? Well, they had that uh, George Washington's face on something and they had the flags, but they were boring. Yeah. Uh, and they had Star Wars and speedboats. You know, speedboats. the thing about the Star Wars is I don't even care enough, to, 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 I can't even muster up much of a, the energy to complain. And I think I've talked to a lot of people who feel that way about this. Uh, I know Aaron and Fatboy and Cord and Scott and everybody, we've all been kind of emailing back and forth about this, and I just don't care. I just, like, I'm not going to get angry about Star Wars anymore. Like, I'm no longer emotionally invested in it. You know, I'm kind of, you know, I'll, I'll remain sort of a Star Wars fan, but I just, it just doesn't. And as Fatboy noted, the weird thing about this is, because this is being put up, this this Clone War, watch how I now proceed to complain about it, The the uh, this Clone Wars thing, which is not being done by, uh, what's his name, Getty Tartakovsky, who did it on the Cartoon Network. Um, so it's not going to be put up by 20th Century Fox. It's going to be put up by Warner Brothers, which means that for the very first time, a Star Wars film will be in the theaters that does not have that um, Star, the uh, 20th Century Fox fanfare. That, that you know, dun-dun, dun-dun-dun, 
that whole thing, which is, you know, for a lot of people, synonymous with the fact that you're about to see a Star Wars film. It's going to have that just that lame Warner Brothers opening in front of it. So, whatever. Screw that. I don't care. That's what they all say. Yeah, it's true. I say I don't care now. Uh, is there any more to the Geek Watch? No. There's your Geek Watch for... Did we already talk about the Star Trek thing? Did we? Oh, wait, wait, I do have something else here. Do we have, I know we've got watches for like 100 yeah. years back in there. Uh, Cryptic Studios has shut the lid on production for a massively multiplayer online game that would put uh, Marvel comic characters together in a big melee. Marvel and we have agreed to end melee. development on the MMO, said Microsoft uh, game studio head Shane Kim. Melee, you Tim. Uh, Marvel Universe Online was first announced in September 2006, and it was never given a firm release date. Rumors of the game's cancellation sparked late last year, but nobody at Microsoft or Cryptic will confirm the decision. It's just something we felt. For us and for them, it would be better off if we ended development, which is disappointing because there was a lot of promise, but sometimes you have to make these decisions. What a boring story I just <laughs> <laughs> this, is, uh, this will never be read again. This is going straight to the trash. I, I have things to come back later in the afternoon. That is not coming back. <laughs> you know, even I don't really understand what that story was about no, just now. It's time for it to go somewhere I, else. I guess they were canceling something that was never going to be made anyway. Yeah. See, also, not that any of us care. <laughs> I really don't. Might as well put up stories about Duke Nukem forever. Jesus. All right, there's your geek watch for My grab star's hammer. By the I understood none of that. I shall avenge no. you. It was like seeing the world. Doesn't keep me from reading it, though. <laughs> it was it's like seeing the world through Tim Riley colored glasses. I don't understand what I'm reading. I... Jesus. All right. Well, let's continue. We'll do a few more, and then we'll break here at the top. Oh, George Michael is becoming a big blob of fat. <laughs> this just in. <laughs> wow. Oh, that he's turning into Richard Hatch. From Survivor, not the other one. Jesus. That's... I mean, if he keeps looking like that, the only luck he will find her in the dark woods. <laughs> that's too bad. <laughs> that really, that, that's truly unfortunate. Mm -hmm. For such a... Uh, uh, what, I mean, I, maybe he's still handsome. I mean, I guess you could be handsome and blobby. He's a grandfather figure now. <laughs> I was trying to think of a joke. Wait, hold on. He's... See, and I was thinking... Of, I was trying to think of figure eight. I was trying to think of figure... Something that rhymed with father, like bother or znother. See, I couldn't come up with anything. Um, but it, but that's really. But you know the thing about the celebrities is they'll fool you sometimes because you'll see a well, photo. all vacuumed out. That's that's exactly it. They uh, they'll uh, <laughs> they'll be like you'll see a photo of Ben Affleck. For some reason in my head, it's always Ben Affleck. Where you see a picture of him and he's just all blobbed up, blah, you know, just at a Starbucks, just two fisting some coffee cake, and. You think to yourself, well, that guy's screwed. And then you see him like a week later, and he's like all chiseled again. And you kind of wonder how that happens. Like if there's some, is there some doctor, you know, fat you suck who who comes to your house and just, and just removes it all from you? Mm -hmm. all right. and, and then that makes me wonder if there are different levels of um, liposuction. In other words, do, like do the rich and famous have access to cosmetic surgery that the rest of us simply don't know about? Like, there is, a, is there a secret, expensive, much more, uh, uh, you know, uh, much more productive version, an effective version of liposuction that I couldn't, for, say, that, for example, go in and get? Boy, that's a bad picture of that guy. Yeah. I gotta look at that one more time. I got rid of it. Let me find it again for you. <laughs> you closed it so... I mean, that's no good, man. No. Hey, hey, yeah. All right. Well... But at least he's leaving a recording studio, so he's trying to work. <laughs> He's just wheezing his way up to the microphone. 
A man faces assault charges after allegedly spraying bar patrons twice with bear spray. This happened in Kodiak, Alaska, where I guess that's a common thing. Uh, Kodiak police charged Daniel Pelmet after incident Saturday and Sunday at the B&B bar. He was escorted from the bar on Saturday, but returned 15 minutes later, and then sprayed some more customers. Police talked to him later and took away the bear spray, but were called away in a more urgent matter. Then on Sunday, they were called to the bar again, where he allegedly sprayed more patrons with a brand new can of bear spray. He was seen walking down the street and charged with six counts of misdemeanor assault. Well, he's got a niche, at least. That's from the Kodiak Daily Mirror. Okay. More, you say? Let's do uh, one more, and then I've got two small notes to make, and then we'll break. Hick watch, then. Let's do a hick watch for uh, Friday. I can't get that picture of George Michael out of my head. You know what he looks like there? He looks like Sid Barrett from Pink Floyd, like in the months before he died. All just bloaty and fat. Oh, good. I wonder if when those photos are published, if somewhere like Andrew Ridgely is snickering. Oh, that's true. On a Nordic track somewhere laughing to himself. Uh, this comes to us in Mississippi. As they all do. A state lawmaker wants to ban restaurants from serving people who are obese. But please don't be offended. <laughs> he said he never even expected his plan to become law at all. I was trying to shed a bit of light on the number one problem in Mississippi, said Republican John Reed. Uh, he acknowledges he's 5'11 and 230 pounds. <laughs> More than 30% of adults in Mississippi are considered obese, according to a New York study by the Trust for America's Health. Uh, the state public health committee chairman, a Democrat Steve Holland of Plantersville, says he's going to shred the bill. It is too oppressive for the government to require a restaurant owner to police other human beings. Shred the bill and then eat it. Because of their own indiscretions. The bill has no specifics of how obesity should be defined or how restaurants are supposed to determine if a customer is obese. Uh, Al Stamps, who owns a restaurant in Jackson, Mississippi, said it's a Absurd for the state to consider telling which customers you can and cannot serve. He and his lovely wife, Kim, do a bustling business at Cool Al's that serves big burgers, beef or veggie, and specialty foods like Sassy Mama Sweet Farm Fries. <laughs> they should totally gauge them like the way they pick out if you need to buy two airplane seats. Totally. Like, uh, stick them in an airplane seat, and if they're bigger than that, that you get to pick up their food. Is that how they do it? Now, uh, we've talked about this before, about... I'm trying back how about, how about those those max seats? When some woman offered a guy a half a seat the other day, uh, pointing to it like sit down in the sky. Oh, like, and she was she flowing over into his part yeah, of the like seat and offered him. Like, oh, sit, oh. sit, sit. Who, who wouldn't want to put spread one, you into a half a seat? Put one of your buttocks on this. Mm -hmm. um, is that the thing where it, she was flowing over and she offered him the seat leavings? Yeah, basically. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now well, we've we've heard the stories occasionally about how airlines will charge you more if you're if you're fat. But now, but I'm unclear about if that's a thing they really do or if that's a thing we just hear about them doing. So well, if you weigh, if you, if you are like a really large person, do you have to pay more when you fly? Why shouldn't you? Well, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing, but I'm saying I want, but you know what I mean? That that's a story that it seems like we heard about those stories, mm -hmm. you know, for about six months. It's like we heard those stories a lot about how, how airlines wanted to start charging people more if they couldn't jam themselves into a regular seat. But then you, of course, immediately heard the, well, so-and-so from, you know, Fat Group Incorporated says they're going to sue and <laughs> they're going to roll themselves into court and scream about it. Uh, and then so I never, I don't know if that ever happened or not. So that's one of those, that's one of those stories that was sort of, had a flurry of activity in the news and then it went away and I don't really know what the resolution of that was. Well, it, it's like, remember a few months ago, it, it was the newest thing in America that, 
you know, pretty little white girls who are being kidnapped every two seconds. Yes. Now and all of a sudden, it, it's not happening it's anymore stopped, at all. Apparently. Yeah. So There's, it helped. It was a rash of white girl leave, uh, vanishings. So, because I guess we're talking about two different issues. If you fly, we're talking about you being uh, weighing a lot because you, because that's going to contribute to the plane using more fuel, I would think. And then if you are. I mean, that, that really does, that is an interesting question, because if you get onto an airplane, first of all, do you suppose if you, I mean, if you're a really large person, you must just sort of know, you probably have figured that out at some point, what airline you can fly and what airline, you like, you, like you must know you can't fly Southwest. Like, that just must be a given. That if you're, if, if you are a person of size, uh, you, that's a Delta flight only. That's a Delta, that's Delta and Alaska, and I think that's business class that you're flying. So... Mm-hmm. I wonder because they can't do that thing like with the luggage where they make you put your bag inside the inside the box to see if it fits. Like I can't imagine that they, that they would be able to do that where they like have your ass fit inside a seat or something while you're still while you're still on the terminal. I can't imagine that that would be allowed to happen in America because you know somebody would have their lawyer uh, just in court like that day filing a lawsuit about it. All right, well whatever. And uh, so apparently you're free to eat as much as you want in Mississippi. I want those sassy mama sweet potato fries. <laughs> Thank the Lord. I had some other thing to say about that, but I can't really for the life of me. I'm no one to, no one to talk. I'm all spongy feeling lately. You're not oh, fat. No, I'm. Well, I'm fat inside. Skinny fat. That's I'm skinny fat. Mm-hmm. I'm not fat, but I'm out of shape. Which, as I said at the beginning of the show, and we'll take a break here in a second. This, Lara did get me. This, this is the best gift. And unfortunately, as sometimes happens, it's like where you you buy an electronics product, and it's like you. It always seems like you have purchased the one. Uh, on the shelf where where it's got a glitch in it somewhere it's broken. So and you she, always bought it a million miles away because I'll never find this cheaper anywhere else. <laughs> exactly. I better buy it now while I'm in Tucson. Um, so she so she was all I felt so bad. She was because she knows that I've sort of coveted one of those, but I couldn't bring myself to spend money on it. And so now I have spent the money on it just via her. And so she was so excited. She's like, Happy Valentine's Day! It's a it's a fatometer or whatever you call it. And she takes it out. And I, I'm so excited. And the great thing about it is you don't have to put in it, – it, it will remember up to, I think, ten different people. So we could leave it in the studio, and we could all become obsessive-compulsive about it. And all you have to put in is your height and then uh, how active you judge yourself to be on a scale of one to five. And then the deal is you stand on it. It tells you your weight immediately. And then it takes about five seconds, and it tells you what your uh, whatever that is, your body ratio, the body fat percentage, oh, that or whatever. Like a it is. terrible machine. Yeah, but I mean, but it's but it's the machine I've always wanted, because as we always, you know, that stuff you always know about. Maybe motivated since you don't really look fat on the outside. Because I because I know because I am because I have this sort of slender shell uh, into which is just packed hundreds of pounds of lard. So I do believe. And we'll have this Monday. She's swapping it out for one that works today. Although maybe my considerable girth just, like, maybe I had so much fat, maybe the machine couldn't actually calibrate the amount of fat within me, and it just backed up and exploded. <laughs> maybe the machine maybe the machine tried to test it, and it just overloaded the circuits, and it gave up. Um, but... Um, uh, but I guess my body fat is supposed to be somewhere uh, between 14 and I think 19 percent. That is, uh, that's uh, average, and I think under 14 is better. But I think they said the average person my high, uh, my age between 14 and 19. So on Monday, uh, I will step onto the uh, the body fat calculator and we'll find out the uh, we'll do an open uh, over under before and we'll find out the awful truth. And then I'll leave the room during a break when I know Sarah will do it. Okay. 
All right. It's 503-733-2970 on KCMD Portland. Uh, let's take a break here. We'll be back after this. Uh, Tim Riley coming up at the bottom of the hour with more news. Jim Roop here in uh, just a few. Uh, Scott Daly will review George Romero's Diary of the Dead. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson program. Sometimes the station is too loud for me. I agree. That last promo was killing me. Well, that made me sound old just now. What? Oh, I'm sorry. I found the rest of the development soundboard, and I've just been sitting here listening really? to Really? You got to send me that. Play I something off of it. Um. Dance, monkey. No, I'm afraid I just blew myself. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's 503-733-2970. It's Rick Emerson, radio program. Well, I got some other dumb observations I made about nothing in particular. Uh, we're getting a hold of Jim Roop here. He'll join us in just a few. Uh, let us now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show, Scott Daly, and I think uh, Fatboy Roberts are going to step in as well uh, from uh, Rock 101 uh, KUFO. We'll have uh, Scott and Fatboy walk on down the hall. Are they walking? Right now. This very moment. Conjuring them. Good job, Rick. Well played, Rick. The thing is, I can see them right there. Looking at them right now. I can see Fat Boy's reflection. You guys want to be on the radio? <laughs> Come here. Jesus. Never mind. Don't worry. Trying to wait. Jesus, God. Never mind. Now, we'll just wait. All right. I can play another one. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Actually, before we do that, let us go to Los Angeles and welcome CNN Radio Correspondent. Hello, sir. How do you do? I am rolling, brother. How's life? How are things? It's Friday afternoon. How are all the little roops? Everyone's fine, thank you. Excellent. Uh, let's see. I had some, some. I had some other thing I was going to ask you, but you know, it's escaping me now. Um, so let's talk about the, the Oscars. And here's the, the only reason I really care about this is because, I mean, the writer's strike is done. Oscars are going to be rolling, fine. But I know they. But they must have been preparing. Like they had to have been preparing a backup plan, right? Yeah, like, they were. They were talking about that yesterday. In fact, um, those were the the pieces I filed yesterday on it. They had. They won't really give us detail, although they say, Gil Cates, that is, the guy who's producing the show, says they're going to sneak some of those elements in because, you know, it's the 80th anniversary, uh, there's a lot of history involved, and there, it was going to be really a bunch of clips, movie clips, past show clips, that kind of thing. And that's what the show was primarily going to be. In fact, those clips would have eventually introduced uh, the recipient of the award. The interesting thing is that out of all the awards that they've been giving out that night, only four of them are acting awards. So if the actors didn't show up, it wasn't going to affect things that much. Excellent. I'm kind of sad we won't get to see it. I, I, I mean, know. In, in fact, Gil Kate said, you know what? Part of me wants to air this show just to see how it would have come out. Exactly. And I, and I, Tim Riley and I were on opposite sides of this issue because he's, you know, he's a big fan of, of the Hollywood, you know, the, the really, the, the uh, you know, the spectacle, and you know, and he's, you know, a member of uh, the Screen Actors Guild. And, you know, he's he, he worked in the industry and still does. And so he really, you know, was a big fan of the Oscars and wanted to see it. But I am always a big fan of. 
what uh, I remember during the 2000 uh, political snafu, they kept saying, we're in uncharted waters here. I love being in uncharted waters. There's nothing that makes me happier than when there's some sort of crisis that's come up that no one really ever anticipated, and they're not quite sure how they're going to handle it. So anyway, that was my that was my big hope, and now I'll just have yeah, to. Yeah, I, I love the what might have been. Exactly. You know, I love that stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, now I get to be bathed in the warm glow of the humor of Bruce Valanche. So I got that working out for me. Oh, there you go. Yeah, he's back. He's one of the writers, thank, as you know. Thank God Almighty, Jim Roop. Thank God Almighty. I just like looking at him. That's all. Do you have a? Uh, he's, he's a show in and of himself. Hey, speaking of a show in and of himself, uh, do uh, do you happen to know offhand? I can't imagine why you would, but do you happen to know offhand how much? Let's everybody brace yourselves now for the gayest thing I've said all week. Do you know how much Bette Midler tickets might be at Caesars Palace in Vegas? Uh, I think you can get them for a couple of tin cans and a couple don't, of soda don't, cans. Don't, don't, talk don't you knock the divine Miss M, Jim Roop. No, I dig her, man. I, I like the Rose. It was a good movie. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a big, I'm actually, I'm a pretty large Bette Midler fan. Uh, but uh, my wife and I are going to, uh, to Vegas, and I, I'm kind of toying with what to. Oh, Vegas? Oh, my God. They're going to cost you 120 bucks. That was my thing. Is it's probably going to be 150 because I think Celine was 150. Yeah, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you that kind of money. Well, and then, you're gonna, and then you're going to have to slip the guy a couple of bucks to get you a decent table. Slip, that just gets you in. That doesn't get you a good seat. Slip him that a just fin. gets you in. Can I ask you a question? I don't know yeah. what it means. How much is a fin? A fin is five dollars. Is that what that is, really? Yeah, and a, a saw buck is ten bucks. A double saw buck is twenty bucks. All right. Have we? And then a Benjamin is a hundred, but yes. we we haven't. But there's a no man's land between double sawbuck and Benjamin. That yeah, sounds like I'm talking in, in NASA code. Now, the fat man has landed. A fifty dollar bill is a city. Uh, okay. Uh, fair enough. Uh, okay. I'm I'm done. You know what? I'm just speaking gibberish today. Everything I say today is just a whole pile of nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. But you do. <laughs> and he's done. <laughs> Higher power intervenes. Jesus. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from FilmFeverRadio.com. Scott Daly. Hello, sir. Hi. I don't know what just happened there. I, that was weird. I was talking to him, and then... So, it's like an Allen Ginsberg. First, there was Jim. Then there was no Jim. Then there was Jim. Sorry for the... Moloch, the destroyer! I'm sorry. So, no, sorry for the delay. Uh, a, I've got a migraine today. B, I was back there with Richie and Timmy Ryan. Oh, oh. dude. Well, that's why it took me forever to get, to get anybody's attention. <laughs> Who were they talking about? Oh, you know. Chicks. Bitches and hoes. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. They know what bitches need. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah of course. Hey, if you I, ever, would I would love to go into more detail, but... If you ever want to amuse yourself, <laughs> uh, go to uh, the Southwest Airline uh, webpage and read the fact for customers of size. Um, I was talking about whether or not... Is it, it southwestairlines.com? Uh, southwest.com slash travel center. Travel. Uh, underscore between travel and center. Travel Customer underscore slash. center slash COS, as in customer size, underscore QA dot HTML. Customer of size Q&A. Because we were talking about whether or not it was an urban legend that they made fat people buy two seats. Because you always sort of heard about that. And then there was the obligatory, we're going to show you. And then, you know, and then I didn't know if it ever happened. Uh, so here we go. Uh, the customer of size fact. Customers who are unable to see here, this is, this is really great. Though. You know they must have had a team of lawyers around the clock coming up with a criteria that didn't involve, like, you know, saying they're fat. You're actually, yeah, <laughs> saying, like, your girth is immense. Um, here's the criteria. This is pretty clever. Well done, Southwest. Customers who are unable to lower the armrests. <laughs> That's that is great. 
and who and uh, and or who compromise any portion of adjacent seating, meaning your buttocks are flowing into my sitting area oh. or flab. Just like Vesuvius. you very excited about flying in a couple months. Should proactively book the number of seats. That is code for, or we will shame you in the terminal. Um, blah, 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 blah. And then right here, um, uh, why ask large customers to purchase additional seating? Southwest says, we could no longer ignore complaints from customers who traveled without full access to the seat purchase due to its... <laughs> wait. Let's welcome now, not, by the way, because his name is Fat Boy, but because he's, he's cringing, so I need to get his reaction to some of this. Here's the fact. It said, why ask large customers to purchase additional seating? Listen to, listen to all the double speak in here. This is new it speak. Is and it's double speak. You're so right. We could no longer ignore complaints from customers who traveled without full access to the seat purchased due to encroachment by a large seatmate whose body extended into the neighboring seat. <laughs> a large body. And the idea that your body is extending into the neighboring seat, I just picture a guy, like, tackle out, sort of like, hello, look at this. <laughs> well, just the fact they use the terminology encroachment, I'm imagining, like, Southwest Airlines referees running down the aisle throwing flags at totally. flabby people. <laughs> Unnecessary encroachment. <laughs> First down. Plus the, the idea that the criteria is the seat arm can't go all the way down yeah. because it's obviously pinching oh. the, the small country <laughs> spilling out of the side of your shirt. And, and the, my second question, is there a degree, uh, is there a certain a level of degree that the seat No, 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 it's, it's like, down. you know what it is? It's the what? back seat when you're a kid rule and your brother, there's like a line down the middle of the seat. Yeah. Mom, he's on my side. Bam. I'm just picturing the, the pathetic fat person just trying so hard. No, I can get it all the way down. I can shove it. I can shove it all the way down and just like biting their bottom lip in pain. As they like waffle iron. I know, waffle yeah. ironing the fat in between the armrest and their body. Just sh shaving it off. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, looking like, like that one victim in seven. <laughs> totally. <laughs> pound of flesh. Did you see this one, Rick? Why can't two large customers share their second seat? I don't know. Open seating cannot guarantee that there will be an entire row open for two large customers to sit together and share their middle seat on each leg of the trip. We need no seat and a half. They can't because the laws of physics deem they cannot <laughs> occupy that same space. And, and does, does, that, does that come into play when the, uh, the, the captain asks people to move for weight displacement? Well, that's the, the thing. So they talk yeah. about... Um, they talk about how uh, customers who are unable to lower the armrests um, will be asked uh, to book a second seat. And then, fact, won't this be embarrassing to the large customer and the employee? Southwest says, it's tough to speak privately in an airport setting. And because the discussion about size is sensitive, we cautioned our employees to use discretion. Yes, it's difficult to deliver or receive a sensitive message and to alleviate confusion. We encourage customers with... Unique seating needs, which are apparently not that unique, uh, to proactively purchase additional seating. We ask this to accommodate our customers and comfort and to avoid uh, embarrassing conversation. Um, blah, blah, blah. I like that their advice is to be proactive. They've mentioned that like three or four times. If they were that proactive, would they still have an extra, like, Volkswagen hanging off of their ass? <laughs> like, if they were Should I have a ninth piece of cheesecake? <laughs> They're being very proactive about that cheesecake, yeah. Jesus. Proactively shoving it down my gullet. <laughs> Somebody's asking if they br Here's a fact. If I bring my own seatbelt extension... <laughs> may what? I, people may walk I, around can with I stay in one seat? <laughs> Which I guess they're thinking the seatbelt serves as like Hank Kingsley's truss. Yeah, no. Where you can just cinch it around and... Uh, oh, man, if you like were a, that big that you're carrying around a seatbelt, if you've got duct and strap tape in your bag, 
so you can bind the fat to yourself. It's like a grip belt. I know. <laughs> it's like the whalebone corset of the airline world. Just good <laughs> God. Jesus. I'm trying to figure out if there's anything else I can wring out of this. Is there any mention of low-hanging fruit in there? We got proactive no, five times. Don't, don't say that. No, no I'm just saying. Oh, oh boy. Blah, blah, blah. So there you go. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you for that. Uh, Scott Daly and yes, uh, Fat Boy. Um, so you guys, the reason I brought you both in here, and then I know, Scott, you're reviewing a Diary of the Dead. Yes, sir. So the couple things. A, I'll just throw this out there. This may be more in uh, 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 your wheelhouse than than because it's not really much in mine. Star Trek delayed. Star Trek yes. delayed. Yes. Um, pushed back. Actually, almost all of Paramount's slate has been delayed. Now the thing with Star Trek that's interesting is that. Um, when they started shooting, it was during the writer's strike, and J.J. Abrams was not at all happy with the script. And he wanted to rewrite, but if he did, he would have been right. crossing the picket line. Um, from what I understand, the budget on the movie is already at $150 million. Oh. Jesus. And they're pushing it back another six months. They're not even Jeez. done with principal photography. They're right? not even done with principal, no. Oh. So at 150 plus another six-month delay... This thing is looking is pretty this damn be troubled. This year's most expensive movie ever made. It, it's looking pretty troubled. I, I mean, I don't know what, what kind of gold he's going to be able to spin out of this straw here, but J.J. Abrams' strength has never been really as a writer. No. As an idea he's man, an idea yeah, man. man. He's yeah, an idea man. As a writer, no. So I don't know who they're going to get to try and punch up the script while they're shooting, but if it's already costing 150 and they're putting another three months of production onto this thing... Well, we were having this conversation yesterday that I think it's just it's just too soon. It is. I it mean, is really too soon. Just, Star Trek needed to die for at least a decade before they tried to bring the movie back. When, when was the last Star Trek out movie? The yeah, Star Trek movie? Oh, oh, Nemesis? I, yeah, it was Nemesis. That was what, a while 98? ago. 99, maybe. I don't quite remember. But, I mean, it's been on TV ever since. It just doesn't feel like it's been gone, though. That's it the thing. Been yeah. gone. No one's had a chance to miss Star Trek. Mm -hmm. At least, whatever one may say about Lucas, people had a chance to miss Star Wars mm -hmm. before he started ramping up to the prequels. Yeah. People were like, hey, I, okay, it's about time. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that was, uh, what, 16 years? Yes. So, I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it doesn't feel like it's anywhere near uh, the time for a new Star Trek film. So. No, it's not. I mean, it's, and I don't understand, I don't know what the whole pushback thing is really about, but it seems to be mostly the script was a problem, the the, well, the production is ballooning a little bit out of control, and uh, the writers just finally came back. So it's it's like they got a little two and a half month head start before they really got to work. It's uh, just that two and a half months cost them $150 million. The biggest change on this was, like, like you know, Bobby just, or Pat uh, just said, J.J. Uh, Abrams, you know, saying the big budget is an issue. Uh -huh. So they're going to push it back to May 2009 for the date has far more profitability, uh, making a summer release for be there. Christmas. Right. The, yeah, Star Trek is apparently going to take the uh, the Star Wars slot, the Indiana Jones right. slot, the, the big the, May picture slot. And this is the first Star Trek film released in the summer because everything yeah. else has always been around Christmas time. Well, here's so the thing: though, Star Trek too. doesn't typically. I mean, 150 million as a budget is more than even the most you know successful Star Star Trek movie has ever yeah, made. Yeah. Because they're not big tentpole films. No, they're not. They're not Star Wars. I mean, they're just no, not. They have a niche audience. They, and they have and a big niche audience. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. uh, it may be the biggest cult property mm -hmm. uh, that still remains a cult, but it's, it's, it's not... And uh, that's what... That's not why blockbusters. Abrams is, has got to nail it, because if he gets it wrong... Oh, if they screw this up, oh, it's, it's Well, here, it's here's toast. the interesting parallel. The last uh, movie Abrams had delayed was uh, Mission Impossible 3. Paramount also delayed that by six mm -hmm. months. Good. Mm -hmm. Well, there yeah. you go. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, so speaking of tempo movies, properties, fran <coughs> pardon me, franchises... And Paramount. So, yesterday, the, yeah, the uh, trailer for Indiana Jones, the teaser trailer, anyway, mm -hmm. for Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yes. Scott Daly. Uh, it brought a big old smile to my face. 
I, I've got I've got to admit, hearing the music, hearing and and seeing, well, you know, because it started off with with you know he brought us the, the ark, right? And he's, you know, brought the holy grail, uh, and then you see that silhouette of, of, of his of his hat and the shadow on the jeep side, and then you know the music brings up and now a new adventure. Uh, I was ecstatic, a little too jokey in a couple spots. I thought they kind of hammed it up a little bit. Um, with with the one joke of Indiana Jones saying, "Oh, I I, I guess that wrong." There's a sequence where he's swing, he's in what I believe he's in that Ark of the, the Covenant warehouse. Yeah, he's got his whip around a lamp on the ceiling, a light fixture, yeah. and he swings and tries to swing like onto a truck, but swings right through the windshield and lands there. And he looks at the camera and does this. I thought that was closer, or whatever. But, but and then he punches but then what's the guy. Great is he elbows the guy out of the truck, and, and it's like, okay, there I'm it is. trying that to works. separate and see. It's easy to look at that and go, "Well, it's way too corny." I'm trying to look at it objectively, though, because sometimes the thing that the ring really corny to you as an adult, you go back and you realize it was always that way. Yeah. You just didn't mind it when you were 12. And that little bit worked. I thought it worked worked pretty well. The thing that really, really gets me excited about this film is the Shia LaBeouf scenes. He wasn't as bad, at least in the in the little bit that you saw, he wasn't as bad as but I thought it would be. But listen to what we listen to that, though. It's not as no, bad no, as I, I thought I it would be. But Kate Blanchett. Oh, she looks hot. Shoot. <laughs> I mean, but that's... She looks fantastic. She's like um, all Emma Peel, but like from Soviet yeah, Union. Yeah, yeah, with the gray, the gray suit, or gray uniform. But uh, it, it got me excited for the film. I've got 100% faith in Spielberg. If Lucas was doing this by himself, <laughs> just laugh. it'd be all he over. He just actually did like a, like a full-on spit take there. I've got, I've got confidence in Spielberg, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm excited. This is going to work for me. Bad boy? I don't have 100% faith in anything except death. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I don't I, I thought it was a decent trailer. It, it, it was better than I expected it to be, mostly because I've kept my expectations ratcheted down as far as possible, because I think the fact this movie exists is sort of a mistake, honestly. Like, it ended perfectly. It was a bunch of people riding on horseback into a sunset that had the words, the end, superimposed right, over it. Right, right. Anything after that, I think, is superfluous. Utterly superfluous. Yeah. So, but the trailer, um, it got me to smile. It got me to grin. I think it was mostly the fact that the trucks were going pluey, and there was dun, 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 and they had the silhouette of him putting on the hat and the new. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be negative about it, but it's like I, I want to have. I want to have it. I want to know. And I'm not like Aaron. Aaron is almost the other way. Aaron is like he is girding himself for yeah. it to be awful. Yeah. Like Aaron is just like, I know it's going to suck. And so he's he has set like a whole mental keep around himself <laughs> to just like, I will keep out the pain of it blowing. He's got, he's got a mental hornbird. <laughs> and, you know, I, I can understand that, too, because I just, in a sense. But on the other hand, you know. When I saw those films as a kid, I went for the pure entertainment value. And going to this one in May, it's going to be pure entertainment for me. I, I will say this. Here's the thing about um, uh, I will say this about about uh, Spielberg doing this film as opposed to Lucas. That and uh, Fatty and I were talking about this yesterday. That has Spielberg ever made a bad action slash adventure film? I mean, he's made bad comedies. Mm-hmm. He's made. Sort of his like Amistad, which is uh, way too long, way too heavy-handed. Everyone forgets always too. Yeah, always. Yeah. Is, I mean, he's made bad films. There's no getting around that. But has Spielberg ever made an action or adventure film? You know, like a, 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 a you know a oh, popcorn oh, film. Yeah, yeah. bad. He has. He, he has. has. Hook. What? Oh, dude. Hook was yeah. a bad movie. Oh, that's I was, right. Yesterday, I was okay. thinking, and the only thing that came to mind was like uh, The Lost Jackson. World. That was what I was and the, thinking. And The Lost World was... The Lost World's not bad. It's not yeah. bad. It's two-thirds good. And then that last third is like, whoa, what in the... Turn into Godzilla. Hook, yeah, but Hook is all the way bad from beginning to end. Yeah. And that's definitely an action-adventure flick. And I differ with most people in The Lost World. I like that final third. I really do. Yeah. I, I like when it morphs into, like, you know, man in suit, mm-hmm. you know, style film. But yeah. um, Hook, though... 
Yeah, which I've yeah. only, to be fair, I've only seen once. That's all you really need. I saw it once, and I kind of went, Leave okay, done. Yeah. And I just, well, all right. I don't know. I mean, it's it's not that I want this thing to be bad or that I'm expecting it to be bad. I'm just, as of now, there's nothing I've seen that has changed my mind that this is utterly unnecessary and that it's going to really add anything to the Indiana Jones story that I need to see before I leave this planet. And I know that there are people who sort of accuse us of overthinking these things and analyzing and whatever, but well, that's, yeah. that's your own problem. It's so, what we do. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, that's just the way it is, and that's going to have to be fine with everybody. The one thing I will say that I am... It, that it, it, it makes me excited, but it also makes me a little eh, is that whole sequence, in the, and you can see this at geekinthecity.com. It's Indeed. the trailer for uh, Indiana Jones 4, Indiana Jones Kingdom of Crystal Skull. Um, the thing that I am really a little unnerved about, though, is the fact that that whole sequence, that chase, takes place inside the Ark of the Covenant warehouse. Which is a tantalizing idea. Yeah. It really is. It's an idea that you're like, oh, because at the end of Raiders, like, what else is in that warehouse? Yeah. But by the same token, you know, that rings a little bit of Superman Returns, yeah. where it was like, let's, you know, let's use the old, uh, let's use that Williams score, mm-hmm. let's use that weird streaky blue font at the beginning, let's get a guy that looks just like Christopher Reeve. I mean, it's... It, it does feel a little bit like they're not quite sure that they pulled it off, and so they're going to throw in some Gen X nostalgia crap. Yeah. Well, that, well, that, that's I'm actually a good call. I'm uh, all for that, because that, that's what's got me excited. I, I think it's cool, great. but it's, it's almost the mark that he's not confident in the film itself. Well, that is a good call. The, the parallels between this and Superman Returns are, are pretty prevalent now that, you, now that you point them out, especially with that warehouse thing. By the way, I'm getting the sense that warehouse is Area 51. Oh, yeah. No, it has to be. Well, because that box says Roswell. The box says Roswell yeah. right on yeah, there. Yeah, the yeah. box with yeah. the eyeglasses says Roswell. Okay. God, we're nerds. No, I think that I think that that that's okay because that's as much as I enjoyed Temple of Doom. Yeah. I liked Last Crusade because it kind of tied back to Raiders of the Lost Ark, where it kind of had that same feeling, where it, with the Nazis and the Rams I'm gonna watch Temple of Doom again because Aaron and I had a big fight about Last Crusade a while yeah. back, and I was telling that I thought Last Crusade was a great film. When, when you watch Temple of Doom, you should go to FilmFeverRadio.com and download the fan commentary. That's what a grand. Fantastic. Well, you know, my, my wife's gone for the bulk of the weekend, so maybe I'll do that. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, but yeah, no. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about. But it's that that with having that warehouse, having that little little tease of Raiders of the Lost Ark, makes it feel like an Indiana Jones film for me. Now let's get this one call. This is about the Indiana Jones Lego game. Uh, hello, oh. hi, sir. Hey guys. Yeah, hi. on the uh, Indiana Jones theme there. Yeah, same people that did the Lego Star Wars game. Lego Star mm-hmm. now, Aaron told me that in the Lego Star Wars game, you could actually see a preview of the Indiana Jones Lego game, and that was a while back. So. Yeah, the, the, the cool. Lego Star Wars game that came out for the Nintendo Wii actually has a uh, an unlockable Indiana Jones. Is it cool? The character? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's cool. It's a cool right. little, that, cool Indiana that Jones That Lego guy. Star Wars game is really badass. Oh, it's fun. Game. I mean, it's really cool. It's so not typically fun. my style of game, but it's it's pretty great. All right. Yeah, what, I played what is, all the way through the original PlayStation ones, not the not the new re-release basically for the Wii. When right. is the Indiana Jones Lego game coming out? Are they gonna, uh, are they going to course on that with the film? I believe it's scheduled for this summer, but I don't know for sure. Well, they'll do it. They'll coincide with the game, with the movie, and All right, thank you, sir. Hey, no problem. All right, uh, Fat Boy, according to Fat Boy, Rock 101 KUFO, mm-hmm. seven to midnight on mm-hmm. 101.1 FM. Thank you, sir. All right. And they'll back with uh, Scott Daly, Diary of the Dead. More from Tim Riley. Like us at 3, Donna Mike at 7. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I love that. Has he gone to hell? Oh, yeah. I've been good. Go to Google. And Dell Kilmer, really? Yeah, yeah. 
He's getting all Michaeled up. Yeah. yeah. That George Michael picture's bad. TMZ does have pretty great headlines. Uh, all right, ladies yeah, and because you know Val Kilmer is the uh, new voice of Kit. Yeah, you know, I just don't care about that. Yeah, nor do I. At the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Here's a follow-up of that quilt shop crack-up. A car crashed into an Oregon City quilt shop this morning, pitting one of the terrified workers against the wall. Three people were injured, including the driver and another worker. And apparently, the car went right through the building and pinned someone against the wall with a cash register. She couldn't even get out. Now, the driver said she was just trying to park the car. She was having trouble breathing, and her legs turned to rubber. As a matter of fact, the driver of the car is very, very upset because she is a well-known customer and a great friend to the quilt shop. Rubber. Oh, damn it. Sorry, that's me. Totally choked there. Friend of quilters everywhere? <laughs> yes. Friend of quilters across the land. <laughs> yes. All Friends, right, quilters, countrymen. Yes. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. Sunny skies. Really? Get outside and enjoy it and count those birds. I might go to the Audubon Society this weekend. Blue Just skies looking at me. Birds. Nothing yeah. but blue skies do I see. <laughs> you don't have to go to the Audubon Society. Birds are everywhere. <laughs> they're not just kept at the Audubon. No, they're not. <laughs> I guess. I thought you. I thought birds. I thought only you people in the suburbs got birds. We get the best ones. <laughs> I, I just got the. Uh, I get the leftovers. I get the bird leavings. The pigeons and seagulls. All right. Uh, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at four, five, six, and seven, with more exciting news for the people. And he's out. Uh, and he's out. My daddy's gone. Uh, Tim Riley. All right. We're here with Scott Daly. Let's get a, a couple of these Indiana Jones calls, and we'll talk a uh, Diary of the Dead. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hi, hey, I got a question for you guys, or, or or maybe you can comment on my speculation. I'm assuming. Oh, um, that sucks. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm assuming Shia LaBeouf is the uh, son. Well, so, have they ever flat out said that? They have. They. I yeah. I, don't I think, think they. They've they never said it, but I'm they've alluded to it. Unclear about whether they flat out if, said that he's the son. He's the son of Mar- Marion and, and Indiana. If that's the case, I would like to see a cameo. With Sean Connery playing uh, Grandpa Jones. Well, they tried to get all three generations in Sean Connery. I guess they couldn't reach a deal with Sean Connery. Ah, uh, too bad. Yeah, no, I'm drinking at home. Hey, yeah. one too more busy thing. beating his wife. I wasn't going to say that, but all right. I'll say it. <laughs> one more thing. Yeah. You can't say Indiana Jones and the word sucks in the same sentence. I'm not, look, I never said that, by the way. That's not me. And well, I, I am, and I'm, and I'm not saying it's going to be great or terrible. I'm saying that I'm reserving my judgment. I'm saying that the trailer was good. I don't think the trailer was great, but by the same token, it's just a trailer. It's literally 90 seconds, less than 90 seconds of a completed film. Let's so, consider the format we saw the trailer in as well. Yeah. Now, oh, imagine well, seeing that trailer yeah. not knowing it's coming in front of a movie in a theater. I guess. That'd but be a I, different story. I, it Really, I do have faith in the movie. I do. I don't know that it's going to be a knockout as such, but I have faith because very rarely has Steven Spielberg let me down. I mean, even late-period Steven Spielberg films like War of the Worlds, uh, we're largely, re- I mean, War of the Worlds, War of despite the Worlds. its crap ending, War of the Worlds was, you know, for the first 85 minutes of War of the Worlds, that's a fantastic film. It really is. Um, so, you know, Steven Spielberg doesn't let me down. He's, a, you know, he's the best filmmaker of, uh, of our time, probably. So. Well, I will definitely be in the theaters when it comes out. Excellent. Thank you, Thank sir. Thank you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, hi, I have a question for Scott. It's actually completely unrelated to anything you've been talking about. Um, uh Scott, if uh, I heard, I don't remember which one on a previous film film radio commentary you mentioned, I'm not sure if it was jokingly or not, about doing at some point in the distant future a uh, commentary on all three extended editions of Lord of the Rings. Yes. In yes. a row. In a I row. Just, yeah, I'm calling to ask because actually I just sort of 
just out of nowhere did that last night. Okay. <laughs> and I just, you know, I just remember you said that. And I was wondering, is that going to happen? Is there any possibility that's going to happen? Because that would be amazing. He's pinning all his hopes on this guy. <laughs> yeah, actually, it is going to happen. It's going to happen in March. And oh. uh, very nice segue here coming up. Uh, uh, next week, uh, next Saturday night, the 23rd, we're having a f- first annual Film Fever Radio Booyah Awards at Sam's Billiards. And uh, one of the door prizes, <laughs> a very coveted door prize, is going to be a seat at the Lord of the Rings Extended Edition Trilogy Commentary for the month of March. So, so yeah, we're, we're going to do that. It's going to be long. It's going to be about 12, 13 hours. Uh, it's going to be brutal. I was, can I just say this? Fun. It wasn't for a commentary, but I went to Aaron's last marathoning of all three Lord of the Rings films. Yeah. Uh, it was about a year and a half ago. Aaron did, on a Saturday, he did all three extended edition Lord of the Rings films back to back to back. And I went for that. That's a long ass time to be sitting there watching a bunch of elves run around. I we're mean, gonna god have, damn. We're gonna have lots of viso, lots of Chinese food, and lots of booze. Yeah, it was. So, I mean, yeah, it was. It was cool, up. but god damn, that's a whole day of your life, is what that is. So, oh, another thought that just occurred to me: what happens if when they uh, make the Hobbit movie, if or even if it's two movies, the five talk- movie marathon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they're talking about doing it in two separate films, actually, which. Verdict's still out on that, but uh, yeah, it should th- be interesting. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. All right, there you go. Uh, final call probably of the day. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, how's it going? What's up? Hey, uh, you, you do know I just I thought just occurred to me, it really doesn't matter if the new Indiana Jones movie sucks, we're going to go see it anyway. Well, that's the thing. I'll go see it regardless. <laughs> we're I giving mean, their money. That's and right. I don't even mean that I'll go see it in that grudging, like, okay, George Lucas, you bastard, here's my, you know. I, I mean, I'll go see the Indiana Jones film, and I will go see it with a smile on my face. Again, because... I have no reason to believe that Steven Spielberg will let us down. I'm not going to blindly fanboy along. It's going to be the best movie in the history of... But Steven Spielberg has very, very... He has a very high batting average. I yeah, mean, he, he does. And I think Steven Spielberg may have learned something, hopefully, by watching Lucas fall on his face. I mean, Spielberg sat there and watched Lucas just savaged. And when you think about it... What was the best thing about the three Star Wars prequels? It was the last half an hour of Revenge of the Sith. You know yep. who storyboard? You know who storyboarded that? That was all Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg did that. So Steven Spielberg, uh, you think about all the best moments in Scarface, uh, like the "Say Hello to My Little Friend," directed by Steven Spielberg. Yep. All the best yep. moments in Poltergeist, Steven Spielberg. So Gremlins. The, 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 yeah, I mean that guy. You know, so if if there's anybody I trust to make a movie, it's Steven Spielberg, really. Especially a movie like that. Especially yeah. an action adventure, Saturday morning serial type he's, film. He's the best That's action perfect. adventure director of the last fifty yeah. years, probably. I mean, just hands down. Yeah, and it's coming out at a good time too, because you know, unlike many geeks my age, I'm forty-two. My kid's fifteen. Forty-two. Forty-two. <laughs> Already, I already own all the previous Indiana Jones, sure. mm-hmm. and already knows those by heart. So it's a good, you know, bonding thing, father. Yeah. You know what? A bad Spielberg film is still better than most other movies. So it doesn't, you know, I'm I'm okay with. And it. on that same level, my son is five, and he really, really wants to watch Indiana or Raiders of the Lost Ark because the Lego game is yeah. out. He's addicted to the uh, Star Wars Lego game, and I'm not quite ready to show him Raiders of the Lost Ark just yet. The face melting scene. Oh please! Nah, if you don't show him violence, he'll never we'll get desensitized to it. Thank you, sir. <laughs> the face melting scene's messed up. I know. Parenting from Rick Emerson. That's uh, Mike. I can say that because I don't have any kids. <laughs> show it to him, <laughs> and then get him drunk. Mind. Uh, hey, speaking of violence, let's talk about Diary of the Dead, which yes. I have no interest in. Yeah, you know, Diary of the Dead is the latest uh, George Romero film. Uh, of course, George Romero. Hold on. Mer- yeah. What? What? Okay. Do, we, do we have to break we right have now? No time, unless I drop David Letterman. Ah, we can't uh, do that. So let's. Uh, 
Well, it's not the best Romero film out there. Okay, let's. Uh, <laughs> sorry, you come in here. Sorry. You know, well, you no. know where, where sorry, can they where to... can they hear the review, Scott? They can hear the review at filmfeverradio.com. This week, Aaron and I will be review- reviewing uh, Diary of the Dead. It'll probably be up later tonight or tomorrow morning. We're recording a show immediately preceding right. the show. Sorry about that. It's not all geeking. And not. Me. Don't deserve to live. Back after this. Thanks, Aaron. Oh, one. All right, we now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show here with Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com. All right, so Diary of the Dead. Yeah, Diary of the Dead. Um, you know, it's just, Romero just, he has he doesn't have control, the studio doesn't have control of him like he did with his last film, Land of the Dead. So it's better in that sense. It feels like more like a Romero film. But i got to say, I've been tainted since reading World War Z like three times now. I've been tainted by my view of zombie and the zombie apocalypse. And uh, no disrespect to Romero, but it's just this is not his best work. Well, I mean, Night of the Living Dead was, what, 40 years ago? 68. So it's been a while, yeah. So it just, uh, you know, uh, he's just one of those guys who who, uh, made something really great and influential. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and with with, hit or miss success in his follow-ups, but it's like... You know, I I think that his his type of filmmaking and his type of I I at this point I just feel like he's just kind of bitter and just kind of cashing in on the and also thing. he he has a lot of social commentary that and a lot of his earlier films are very underlined. I heard it's just really this laid time on. it's just like there it is ladled here, into here, it here here yeah. here here deal with it so it's it's not my favorite Romero film hands down but it is better than the last one Land of the Dead well there you go yes uh, all right uh, and then the uh, so, Film Fever Radio Booyah Awards yeah. coming up Sam's Billiards next Saturday Saturday night. the 23rd so. at 8 p.m. come on out we have lots of prizes and goodies uh, we have some sponsors that gave us some free crap to give away I've got a bunch of old posters from my last 10 years of Film Fever Radio days excellent 10 I'll be years Ten years, yeah. You were such a young so man when that started. Too. I really like that. Yeah, it's place. cool. So come on out to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we don't have the kind of mad money to buy drinks for you, so you got to buy your own drinks. But, you know, it'll be a good time anyway. Excellent. And uh, tomorrow night, uh, go see Wednesday 13 at Satyricon. That is a, uh, a fantastic group. Great show. So, uh, so Wednesday13.com is the website. Satyricon tomorrow night. Uh, when the next scene, our radio correspondents James Roop and Lisa Desjardins, as well as uh, Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com and Fatboy Roberts from Rock 101 KUFO. Tomorrow, Car and Driver Radio 6 to 9, Miles around with Dennis Pittsburgh at 9 to 11. Like us next, Donna Mike at 7. We'll be back Monday at 11 a.m. Uh, as always, my friends, uh, thanks for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastards grind it out. Watch out for snakes and so forth. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM970 Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phones. Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. Bridget from upstairs is our webmistress. And, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Reynolds. I'm huge. Bye. The note reads, we are holding Jesus' ransom until you clean up the poopy from your wieners, and trust us, we see you take your wieners for long walks without picking up their poopy in our yards. Held in the sinister power of the Berserk Electronic Brain Machine. ACMD AM Portland. This is AM 970 Solid State Radio. Attention FM DJs in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep is now concluded. Thanks for listening.